0: Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's Evangelist Jonathan. I want to preach a message tonight that is in my spirit very strongly. I I got started on it, almost got to point one a couple nights. I'm going to plow through it tonight. Because I want to talk to you about a message that changed my life. If you're watching online, you already have the uh, title for tonight. If you're here, I'm going to give you the title. I was driving just out of Bible college. I didn't know what the faith movement was. Some of you may have never heard of what the faith movement is. Some of you have heard of what the faith movement is or what that guy's a faith preacher. And it said like an insult. I didn't know what that was. So I was driving to a guy's church to preach. I got in a little after midnight. It was in the state of Vermont. And uh, I had a. he looked at me. He was in his 70s. And he said, you're not one of those faith preachers, are you? Well, I had never heard that expression. I had only heard of faith from the Bible. And the last I remembered, I was thinking, well, I remember it's a positive thing, not a negative thing. Then secondly, I thought, if you're a preacher, I thought you're supposed to have faith. So when he said, you're not one of those faith preachers, are you? That struck me kind of, I'd be like, you're not one of those sink fixing plumbers, are you? I was thinking, what do you want? Because the opposite of faith is unbelief or doubt. You want me to stand up tomorrow at your church and tell everybody how many of you have cancer and see how many people raise their hands and say, well, chances are you're going to die. That would be unbelief. I didn't know what he meant. I said, well, I'm not an unbelief preacher. And he said, well, you don't know what I'm talking about. I said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But I found out what he was talking about. That there's, for some reason, a controversy, major controversy, and almost a—I'm not almost—a demonic backlash if you start preaching that the Bible is not a collection of nice quotes or kind sayings to get you through difficult times, but that the Bible a is true, and the Bible is something b that you can call true. You can speak it, and the Bible says Numbers twenty-three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he spoken something? He'll bring it to pass. Has he said it? He'll carry it through. That this book you hold in your hand is not, and you know, there's great books you can read. People say that Bible's old. It's been translated lots of times. There's a book by a man named Dr. Erwin Lutzer called Can I Trust My Bible? And it tells you how this is not like our best guess at what Jesus said, that there's such a thing even though you've never met Abraham Lincoln, and you've never met anybody who met Abraham Lincoln. There's such a thing as verified history. And the Bible has, a, has a, a verified chain of command. It's an accurate book. There's a man named Dr. Josh McDowell. Some of you may remember him from years past. Best I know, he's still alive and speaking as an older man. He, uh, he did a paper in Harvard. He called it for his doctoral dissertation, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And as an avowed intelligent atheist he was going to just put to bed the bible once and for all we all know this thing's fake let's just settle the evidence and put the evidence out there that demands a verdict and until these christians can answer these questions then then tell them to shut up and what happened is during his research one day he got down on his knees in his study and surrendered his life to jesus christ because as he looked for the evidence to disprove the bible He saw not only was there no evidence to to, to disprove it, that it was very provable, and he was betting his life against the word of God. The Bible says about itself, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. The greatest governments and the strongest militaries in world history have set their sights to destroy this book. Not one have succeeded. They're all gone, but the word of God is still here. All the efforts in America to shelve the Bible and, and get, it, get rid of it and make people believe they're the descendants of lower life forms and lower species, it's failed. Church attendance is at the highest it's been in American history. America's in the middle of undergoing a, a great revival and a great spiritual awakening. We're in week three of nightly meetings. Day one was day and night of meetings. America's the hungriest it's ever been for the Bible. The nations of the world are the hungriest they've ever been for the Word of God. I want to tell you tonight something that's going to change your life. This thing called faith. What is it? I'm going to give you 10, the 10 most important things you need to know about faith. And when it comes to faith, faith's an important thing. You know, I ain't got to talk about faith for Well, without faith, you can't get saved. Ye are saved by grace through faith. Then without faith, it's not difficult to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you want to go to heaven, you need faith. If you want to please God, you have to have faith. Faith brings healing. Faith brings deliverance. Faith makes a way where there is no way. Faith makes every crooked path straight. Faith, listen now, faith is a living power drawn from the living word of God that produces living proof in real life. So my title, if you're online, you already have it in here. My title tonight is Why I'm Not Ashamed. To be what that guy was trying to make me ashamed of. Why I'm not ashamed to be called a faith preacher. Because I've been around people who aren't faith preachers. They look 15 years older than they actually are. Religion will make you old. Religion will make you look 52 when you're 23 coming out of Bible school. Buy suits that are too big and baggy for you. And speak in a voice that's not your own voice. And take all the life out from you. But the Bible is a book that produces something called faith. And that faith is a mountain-moving force that has the capacity to change every situation that you'll ever face this side of eternity in Jesus' name. We don't need less faith. We need more faith. Can you say amen? amen. What is faith? Go to Well, I like to find it out of the Bible. Go to Mark 11. Mark chapter 11, 22 through 24. I'm going to play a video for you shortly. Mark 11, 22 through 24. And then as we've been doing the other nights, you can put the scriptures up in in the King James. And Jesus answering, saith unto them. Read those four words on the screen. Now read it like you didn't pass away 10 days ago. Have Have faith. I understand it was 106 today. I'll cut you some slack. Actually, you're speaking pretty strong for how hot it was out there. And here it is not a dry heat. It's a wet Demonic heat, but you made it through. Amen. Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. I got a question for you. Was Jesus speaking to heathen people here, or was he speaking to his own disciples? So faith has more function than just to get you into heaven or get your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus speaking to the disciples said, Have faith in God. 23, one of the greatest verses in the Bible. For verily, I say unto you. Nobody talks like that anymore. You know, that would be the equivalent of saying, I tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Jesus, in the original language, was saying the strongest, I'm telling you the truth. Verily, I say unto you, that whosoever, everybody say, that's me. me. Yeah, there's an old Baptist song, whosoever surely meaneth me. Everywhere you read whosoever in the Bible, it's talking about you. The Bible is a book written to you. It's God's book to you. Anytime you read whosoever, you can put your name in there. That if Jonathan will say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, not believeth, saith. In fact, if you read this verse and break it down, Jesus only talks about what you believe once and what you speak three times. Because people don't miss it in their believing Mostly, they miss it in their speaking. They believe in healing, but their mouth says, I have cancer. Instead of, by his stripes, I'm healed. They believe that the Bible says, the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich, and it addeth no sorrow. But their mouth says, my partners aren't giving because we're in a recession. And so their mouth doesn't line up with their heart. But Jesus said, if you'll line your mouth up with the word that you've put in your heart, then you can say to this mountain, be thou removed, and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he saith. 24. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire. Whatsoever things ye desire. I was listening, uh, I was going through my Instagram stories. And a guy that I preach at his church. Somebody put a quote up from him. It said, God didn't come to give you your desires. You came to him to give God his desires. So I just sent it back to him with a question mark. And he said, well, there's some context to it. Well, there better be a lot of context to it. Because I hate with every fiber of my being. And I won't go back and preach anymore at places. If I'm going to spend a week of my life and preach morning and night. you know, Because what will happen is, they do this to Rodney Howard Brown. They do it to me. They do it to my Uncle Ted. You know, we've we got a lot of sick people in our church. We need to have a healing meeting. So they'll have him the person that ministers on healing, and then after he leaves, they'll go right back to teaching what they teach that made the deficit in healing. Teaching pro-sickness. How many know? We don't know when our time is, and sickness comes to all of us, and they'll do it to Rodney Howard Brown. They notice their people aren't baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they don't have any joy, and they don't have any power, so they'll have him come in and preach and lay hands on everything that moves for a week. Then they'll go right back to their ark no holy ghost mode of services that produces the same thing you should make up your mind i'm not going to use faith when i need it i'm not going to use healing when i need it i'm going to stay in the fire i'm going to walk the walk of faith i'm going to live by faith and i'm going to go higher and higher not from crisis to victory to crisis to victory from glory to glory victory to victory and strength to strength if you receive that tonight go ahead and do what you're already doing Clap your hands, all ye people. You know, that was a few days ago, and I'm, I'm still irritated, as you can tell. Because I spent two mornings talking about how religion tries to make you feel bad for having a desire. And people that don't have miracles, so that they don't have to pray for people, make you feel bad for wanting a miracle. I mean, you know, we want things now, but God's not a God of the right now. He's a God of process. What scripture is that? You made that up. That's the first book of imaginations. And I'll be honest with you. I don't care what context there is. If you make the statement, we didn't come to God for him to grant our desires. uh, We came to God so we could give him his desires. First of all, which one of us is strong enough to give God what he wants? God did, did, did or did not God say in the Psalms, I have no needs. And if I did have needs, what I ask you, does God have needs? No. Is God in need? No, he's not. He fills all in all with himself. He said, "If I needed anything, would I ask you for help?" No father asked their child. No good father. asked their child for support." if you have bad fathers in here because it got quiet. <laughs> well yeah, in a good family, you don't kick in money to help your dad. Your dad takes care of you. I'm, uh, the bills are coming due the first of the month. You know, no matter how debt-free you are, unless you have your own Wi-Fi company and electricity company, you got a couple bills to pay monthly. And so when those bills come, due in a few days, I'm going to sit Camila down and say, now listen, you use more Wi-Fi than anybody in the house. You're on YouTube kids all the time and all that, so you need to, you need to start setting some money aside. No, a good father doesn't do that to his child. A good father takes care of his child. Number one, and then number two, if you tell people that God is not interested in granting their desires, you're going to need to rip out about 60% of the Bible, because all you're going to see in that book is man having a desire for something good, and when they go to God, you're going to find something out. Say this out loud, when my faith says yes, God will never say no. One more time, when my faith says yes, God will not say no. That's right. The Bible says he's the author of any every good and perfect gift. If any man desires something from God, let him ask. And God, every good and perfect gift, comes from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variance or shadow of turning. It says he will not resent your asking, but he'll give liberally to all who ask. Tell me some Bible stories of somebody that came to Jesus for healing, and Jesus said, no, I'm not healing you. But you can only find one, Matthew 15 the Syrophoenician woman, who he was not supposed to heal because Jesus was only sent to the lost sheep of what nation? Israel. Until he was rejected by Israel, the Gentiles had no right to Christ. So a woman's coming and saying, Jesus, I've been hearing about you healing all these people. My daughter's home, Matthew 15, 22. My daughter's home, grievously vexed of a demon. I want you to do something about it. And Jesus answered her not a word because it... It was out of line, not time for that. Then she keeps pressing. Jesus said, it's not meat to take the bread that belongs to the children and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yea, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the table. And when she pressed, he said, good answer, and because you've answered well, I've healed your daughter. You won't find anybody that came to Christ that still needed the thing they were asking for 24 hours later. He's not a, well, got a process. Oh, no. Sickness is from the devil. He never meant for you to suffer with it one And when you call, he will answer you and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. (laughs) Psalm thirty-seven. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he give you what? Oh. And I'm, only, I'm not trying to pick on one guy. This is what has kept people. When you look at, at socioeconomic numbers, Christians are like the third poorest group in the country. Oh, yeah. Buddhists are at the bottom as far as religions go. That makes sense. They take a vow of poverty. Then you put on like an orange robe and karate fight all day or whatever. I don't, I don't know. That's my karate kid based understanding of the Buddhist religion. Jehovah's Witnesses are second from the bottom, and then third are pentecostals because they've had preachers tell them for god knows how long not to expect anything that book says and you should be ashamed if you are you should just be happy you're going to heaven let me tell you something i am happy i'm going to heaven but the apostle paul who knew a thing or two about the bible because he wrote two-thirds of the new testament told his son in the faith timothy timothy godliness first timothy chapter 4 verse 8 timothy godliness is profitable unto all things Holding value in the life that now is and in the life that is to come. I got a question for some people that bash faith. Tell me what person that was crippled came to Jesus to get healed. And Jesus said to him, though you may never walk on the streets of Jerusalem, one day you'll walk on streets of gold. What verse is that? Never happened. What blind person did he tell? Though you'll never see anything down here, one day you'll see things in heaven. That are too marvelous to tell what what sick person did he ever tell? It's not God's will for you to be healed. What sick person did he ever tell? It's not God's will for you to be healed right now, but I'm going to come back to Capernaum in a year and a half and then I'm going to heal you. Oh, no. The Bible says they brought unto him all the sick, and no matter what their sickness or what their disease or if they were possessed by evil spirits, he healed them all. You say, yeah, but that was Jesus. Jesus said, After I leave, the same work that you see me do, you shall do in greater. Wherever you go. Preach the word. Announce that the kingdom is coming soon and heal their sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received and freely give. That's what the Bible says. If I was a drug addict, and I'm not, but if I like cocaine, I would want the actual fresh stuff from Bolivia. Don't put powdered whatever, baby powder, whatever they put in it. I want the real thing. If I'm going to sin, I'm going to sin. And I'm not a drug addict, but I am a word addict. So don't start cutting it with your baby powder doctrine that takes the power of it. Jesus said, you Pharisees, add your own traditions in, and you make the word of none effect. But God's doing a revival in Texas and around the world that the real, uncut word of God that sets the captive free is being preached. Somebody say, I want the real thing. thing. There's terrible illustration number four. got 996 to go before I have my book. Say, I want the real thing. thing. Quit adding adding in your crap. Total crap. Can't believe you said crap in church. I cleaned it up for church. (laughs) How are you going to mix stuff in the Bible doesn't say? I mean, we want things now, but God's not about. God's more interested in heaven. No, God's interested in both. He healed the sick on earth. He raised the dead on earth. He hated seeing people crying. He hated funerals. Every funeral Jesus went to, he ruined it. He wasn't there for the sandwiches. He wasn't passing out flowers. He was raising the dead. Unasked. Touched the casket and the funeral procession stopped. Touched the casket and the boy sat up. And he presented her to his mother. Oh, yeah. Jesus hates pain. He came to bear our pain. People aren't supposed to have to go through pain one more day. And what happens is the truth. That's why I don't actually argue with people about doctrine anymore. I've had people come up to me. I don't believe in miracles. Say, believe it every ever you want. I'm going to Waffle House. It don't make any difference to me. You don't want to believe in miracles? Don't have any. I'll take yours, too. I don't believe in prosperity. No problem. Tell the Lord. Tell him to give me your money as well do not make any difference to me. I preach the word. People are free to believe it and free to not believe it. But one reason I don't argue with people doctrinally is when people get off of faith, you realize 15 years later when it comes out whatever sin they're in, that that's where the problem was. Yeah. Usually bad doctrines produced by a character or sin problem that will get revealed later. So you're arguing about the wrong thing. The message of faith is an unassailable message. It works. It's not a slant on the Bible. It's not, well, I know Jonathan believes like that. Oh, no. You think I came up with this at my hotel today in Rockwall? You know what? This word keeps coming to me faith. No. It didn't start with Kenneth Hagin either. It started A.B. Simpson, Christian Missionary Alliance, was the first preacher in America to preach. He found it, he was taught that healing's not for today. And he started teaching because he saw in the Bible, it never says that healing died out. So he starts teaching, no, healing's for today. And as he taught it, God confirmed his word. Yeah, Yeah. God will always confirm his word. People got healed, they threw him out. There was no Christian missionary lines. All these guys ended up having to start their own denominations because they weren't welcome to preach in church. And we don't want that. You know, religion has this thing to it, the spirit of religion. Remember this, it wasn't hookers that put Jesus on the cross. Bunch of prostitutes didn't gather together and go, you know, we're losing business because of him. Kill him. No, they loved Jesus. He set them free. It wasn't drug dealers that put Jesus on the cross. It was religious people who hate the power of God. They hate it. Kill Jesus. I don't want to listen to them anymore. Shut them up. They picked up rocks to stone him. Stephen, as he preached, you're ever resisting the Holy Ghost. And they covered their ears and grit their teeth and picked up rocks to kill him. There's people, if they could, they'd kill Rodney Howard Brown tonight and think they were doing God a service. When his daughter died on Christmas Day, religious people wrote articles. Is he laughing now? Oh, yeah. Sinners wouldn't do that. They don't talk about that at Comedy Central roasts. They won't deal with people's dead children. Unsaved, regenerate comedians have more class than that. But there's something in religion. They love tying people to a stake that don't believe like they do and burn them alive. Because they can't stop the message. But the message of the Bible is not one of manipulation. We're not telling you you have to live here and abandon your family and starting a cult. It's a message of freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from sickness. Freedom from disease. Freedom from fear. Freedom from torment. Freedom from poverty. Freedom from all the power of the devil. You can like that message or not like that message, but you'll never stop it because the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God didn't come to give you your desires. Oh, is that a fact? Whatsoever you desire. So if faith begins by you desiring something, then wouldn't it be just like the devil in religion to cut the legs out from under your desire? Make you not want anything. Yeah, Whether I have a car or not, it's not important. Okay, you're right. If you like spending an extra six hours a day apart from your family, yeah, you could walk to work. And and while you're at it, you don't need any shoes. I want to be like Jesus. Then wear flip-flops and sell your car and wear a robe. Yeah, Jesus didn't have a Cadillac. That's right. No one did. But he had boats that could carry 12 disciples plus him. And a boat that can carry 13 people still costs more than a Cadillac. Go and get the boats. What do you think? He was stealing boats? Grand Theft Maritime? Hey, Peter, I'm going to heal this blind kid. And when everyone lifts their hands and prays God, go connect the yellow wire with the red wire and we're going to get out of here. You think Jesus was a boat thief? You got a little doctrinal problem there. Oh no, he had boats. He had rooms to have banquets in. He had enough to have 12 men carry uh, carry with him and then feed them. He had a treasurer. You know what you have to have to have a treasure? Treasure. (laughs) Jesus Jesus didn't have anything. Oh yeah, then what was the treasure carrying? What do you have in that bag? Poor people don't have a treasure. You ain't gonna go to a trailer park and hear someone say, hey Wyatt, what does the treasurer say we have in the account? Oh no, it's all in the pocket. Jesus had a treasure. And the Bible says his treasure often stole from the treasury and spent it on himself. And there was still plenty. Can you, Jesus didn't have any money. Oh, is that a fact? Luke chapter eight, verses one to three. There were several women that had been healed of, of diseases and had evil spirits cast out. And the Bible says they followed Jesus and regularly supported from their own income to fund the disciples. That's where you get partnership from today. Paul had the same thing. People don't have the Bible. People just make up their own version of whatever they want to believe. It, it's totally anti-scriptural. How can you know anything about the Bible and make a statement, God didn't come to grant our desires? No, there was a cry that people were bound by sin and tormented by the devil, and he came to give them life. Turn to Isaiah chapter 38. I'm going to talk to you about desire. Because if faith begins by whatsoever things you desire, you're never going to see faith move in the area of healing until you say, I don't want to be sick. Some of you that have been healed in these last three weeks tried to get somebody else interested in healing that was sicker than you. Hey, you should come here. Ah, Uh, Is he coming back next year? (laughs) No, he's here now. Jesus is coming soon. You can't get him interested because faith can't work till you get a desire for a different result. Yeah, you had those uh, lepers, 2 Kings chapter 7. Why sit we here till we die? Well, we're just going to sit here and starve. Let's go surrender to the invading army. If they kill us, we're going to die anyway. But if they take us as prisoners, at least they have to feed us. Everything starts with you getting a desire. There was a woman with an issue of blood. When she heard about Jesus, she had, she had suffered for 12 years and had spent everything she owned on doctors, but was no better. In fact, she was worse. But when she heard about Jesus she said to herself what are we talking about everybody say believing and, believing and speaking she said to herself i know when i touch him i will be made whole yeah. and she went to where he was at yeah. pressed through the crowd grabbed the hem of his garment and instantly everybody say instantly yeah. i mean know we want things now but god's a god of process you ever notice all the people that preach like that don't pray for anybody they dismiss at whatever time. We have, four, we have th- four services today. 8 o'clock, 8.50, 9.20, 9.45, 10.10, and then a fifth service at 10.30. You're not going to get prayer. There's some churches now, they give you communion on your way to the parking lot. Why not just put a drive-through window on the side of the building? Have people drop off their tithe, pass them communion, and they can read the sermon on the way home. Is that how Jesus ministered? Oh, no. They'd grab- gather everybody on the shore. I wish I could tell you what, we, what we're planning right now for our church. I'm not having multiple services. I like it when there's a zillion people, not enough seats and people getting a shoving match over the remaining seat. That's church. I like that. I don't like 10, you know, we have, we have 2000 people, but there's 10 services. You never see more than 20 people in one service. We have, you know, we have, we have um, over 20,000 people in our church. Where are they? There's like no one here. Oh, we have 40 campuses over nine nations. Okay. You, you've lost me. I like when a big crowd gets together to worship God. Amen. A big diverse crowd where well, you can't call it a black church. Can't call it a white church. Can't call it a Spanish church. It's an everybody church because Jesus died for everybody. That's the kind of meeting we're in tonight. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. Just because you have miracles doesn't mean you have good doctrine. But if you don't have any miracles, you definitely don't have good doctrine. Because it's impossible to preach the word correctly and not have God confirm what he said. Can't happen. You know, Billy Graham, does anybody consider Billy Graham a healing preacher? No. But when he went to South Korea to preach the gospel for the first time, he was preaching about Christ, making all things new. And a 68-year-old woman that came forward to, got, to get saved started screaming at the altar. And when the American ushers went over to calm her down, the interpreters backed them off and said, she's screaming, I was born blind 68 years ago, and now I see. In a Billy Graham meeting, Southern Baptist. You know, I was talking to a Baptist friend of mine, and he, he was telling me how something got, Do you ever wonder why a few years ago the Southern Baptist passed a resolution that they don't, though they don't allow healing here, they started to allow it overseas. Now, first of all, you should look into that. Because there's not regional doctrines. The Bible works everywhere. I said, the Bible works everywhere. The Bible will work in Highland Park, and it'll work in the alleys of Deep Ellum. The Bible works everywhere. What happened was there were eight Southern Baptist evangelists that were doing missions work in India. And I'm talking like preaching to people for the first time in villages. Well, they came to get saved, and you were telling us about this mighty God. So they start holding their children up. My child has a rash. My child has no feeling in the one leg. Will you pray? And they didn't have the hardness of heart to say, um, We believe in cessation. No, these women are crying. Will you pray? And they they said to each other, well, what would it hurt to pray? Let's just pray. And they prayed a prayer that wasn't a healing. Lord, help them. Lord, be with them. But that wasn't the mother's faith. The mother wasn't bringing their baby for the Lord to be with them. They were believing that God you preached to me about that can do all things. I believe that God will heal my child. Let me get that lady from the Sturgis motorcycle uh, thing too. It's a good one. And so they prayed, and the kids start getting healed, like major healings, crippled limbs, eyes coming open. And then when that word gets out, more mothers are bringing their kids, and those missionaries are going, we're going to, get, we're going to lose our credentials. If we go back and tell people we prayed for people and they got healed. They're going to, they, we teach healings from the devil now. But when they came back and told them, they said, these are our top people. Some of them were lecturers at, at, at Baptist theological seminaries, top guys. They said, we can't say that. We'll have a mutiny if we say that these are demonic. So they said, okay, we'll allow that on the mission field. We just won't allow it here. Let me tell you something. Do you think the only people that need healed are overseas? Do you think there's no people in America that have all the money in the world? Let me tell you something. If you have, <laughs> if you have $10 billion in the bank or if you're, on, if you're in Section 8 housing on welfare, If you have stage four pancreatic cancer, they're going to tell both of you the same thing. Set your affairs in order for you will die. Turn to Isaiah 38. Everybody say, my desire desire. determines my destiny. destiny. Isaiah 38. Desire. You know, I had a minister. If I said his name, you'd know who he was. Hope he's watching. I like him. People people don't, don't mean what they say. Messaged me week one. We talked on the phone. Told me about trouble that he's in with his ministry. He said, I really need to talk to you. The Lord spoke to me. I need to meet with you so you can tell me what you know to sort things out. I said, okay, I'm here. Never saw him that week. Now we're two weeks down the road. So on the way driving into church, I texted him. I said, I'm here three more days if if you're still interested in meeting up. He went, oh, are you here Friday? I said, I am. Can you come by my office 9 or 10 in the morning? I said, no, I can't. I'm not the one that's in trouble. You are. Where's your desire? I've been preaching every night. You can't come one. You said you're going to come week one. Haven't seen you. That's what I wrote. Haven't seen you. Maybe I missed you, but I don't think I did. I think I'd have seen you. No, I, um, okay, the last day, then the last day something will come up. And then that's why people don't change. They never, Americans are the worst at getting desperate. Because you never have to be desperate in this country. The poor people, it's the only country with fat poor people. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being unkind. People leave. He's making fun of fat people. No, I'm not. You go to other countries. If people are on the street asking you for money, you see their ribs. You know, I was in Puerto Rico with my wife. This lady said, can I have some money? I had no cash on me. I had just cracked a Red Bull open and had to add like two drinks. So there's what, probably six ounces left. So I thought she'd say, no, thank you. I went, I don't have any money. I got the rest of this cold Red Bull. And, and she grabbed it and chugged it right there thirsty in the heat skin and bones i've been i've been to beggars in philadelphia can i get some can i get some money um i don't have money i have food i have pizza that i just left with i don't like pizza i only eat gluten-free you're on the street you eat gluten-free <laughs> It's why, my, it's why our church in Pittsburgh doesn't have a food distribution center because I've, I've worked at churches that give out food to the poor. There's fights between the women. People yell at the people that run the church program. When are you going to buy better bread? Let me tell you, you wouldn't want to do that for me. We'd have a little chat about you buying your own bread. And don't ever come back on the property again. Yeah, that's not desperation. You don't ever need God in this country. You don't. You never need him. If you're poor, if you need money, do you need God? No. Just watch The Prices Right and watch every commercial. No credit, bad credit, no collateral, no problem. You can get a loan for any amount of money. If you're sick, there's free healthcare. And the free healthcare consists of making you a drug addict for the rest of your life. They don't cure your disease. They turn you into an asset for the pharmaceutical companies for the rest of your life. If you're depressed and tormented and in fear, you don't need God. They'll put you on medication and numb your mind up so much that there's no problem anymore. There's an answer in the hand. That's the problem in first world countries. There's an answer in the hand of man for everything that you're facing. But if you do that, you can never work with God. Because turn to Jeremiah 17. I'm going to show you the, the key to faith. What was the other scripture I told you to turn to? Okay, remember that one. We'll call this Bible drills. Jeremiah seventeen Jeremiah seventeen five. This is what the Lord says. Who says? The Lord. Cursed is the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm. And in so doing, his heart turns away from God. So I made up my mind building this church we're going to build to seat 3,000 people. Thank God for PNC Bank. You're not going to hear me say, thank God for PNC Bank. Thank God for Wells Fargo. I don't, if God can't do it, let it remain undone. If God can't take me there, I don't want to go. If God can't give it to me, I don't want to have it. But I'm not saying that to not get it. I'm telling you, God will give it to me. God will take me there. God will make it happen. But your hope and trust have to be in him alone. When you start getting men involved, it murks it up. Yeah. You don't see Jesus praying, guide the surgeon's hand. He works by himself. I said he works alone. I know some of you are offended. It's not my problem. I'm leaving Friday either way. (laughs) Cursed is the man. That trusteth in man You're preachers I'm so thankful for our, our um, some of our, our partners are so generous without your generosity we couldn't do what we're doing huh, better be careful brother yeah. I'm very thankful for every partner we have we had a meeting with some of them on week one took them out for lunch thanked them in person but you'll never hear me say without our partners we can't do what we're doing because before I had any partners I had a call from God, and in order to do what he said, God brought me the partners, but God is the source of everything. Abraham, I am El Shaddai. Everything you need is found in me. Verse 6 For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. In a salt land and not inhabited. Seven. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. What happens to him? He shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river. (laughs) Hallelujah. And shall not see when he cometh. But her leaves shall be evergreen. How I many you know we all go through dry seasons? No, I'm like a tree planted by the water. My leaves are evergreen. Shall not be careful in the years of drought. Be careful? No, I'm not being careful. I'm being aggressive. Can you say amen? I wanted to be careful. I wouldn't put a stage up in the worst part of the projects in the worst cities in the world and preach Jesus and go lay hands on the sick. I'm not here to be, the Bible says be careful for nothing. The Bible's telling you, you don't have to be careful. You can go full speed ahead because the world is not your source and the world cannot determine your destination. God is your source and God determines your victory. Continue. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Put both hands in the air and wave them like you just, uh, no, sorry. Put both hands in the air and say this. I'll never stop, I'll never stop. Bearing, fruit. bearing fruit. My leaves will be evergreen. My <laughs> be evergreen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put your hands down. Now say a couple other things that tick the devil off. Say, I don't have dry seasons. Have evergreen. I'm, evergreen. I'm evergreen. That's right. You'll be fruitful in your twenties. You'll be fruitful in your 30s. You'll be fruitful in your 40s. You'll be fruitful in your 50s. You'll be extra fruitful in your 60s. In your 70s, you'll just be getting warmed up. In your 80s, things will start to explode. And in your 90s, you'll leave a legacy for your family. That's the word of the Lord for you. Because you're not putting your trust in man. You're putting your trust in God. And God will never fail you. God will never bring you lower than where you are. He's got a plan for your lifting and for your rising. Receive that today. Amen. Turn to Isaiah 38. Isaiah 38, 1. Yes, that stuff Jonathan said is true, but you have to remember God's will. God has a will, and you, you, you know, it's just like all life's predetermined. I mean, you know, when it's our time, we're going to go, oh, really? There's no verses in the Bible that you can do anything to extend your life. There's no verses in the Bible that there's things you can do that shorten your life. You ever read a simple reading of Psalms and Proverbs tells you there's actions you can take to lengthen your life, and there's actions you can take to shorten your life. Even Hunter Biden knows that. He's been honoring his father with every transaction. Amen. <laughs> Bad illustration number five. Isaiah 38, one. Sometimes just checking to see if people are awake. I'm going to try not to get railroaded out of Texas. Don't ever come back. Isaiah 38, 1. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your aff- Who says this? Is the Lord a false prophet? <laughs> Set your affairs in order. For you will die, you will not live. Now, if God tells you you're a dead man, you're a dead man. But when Hezekiah heard this, somebody say desire. Desire. Now, before I finish that passage, what does this man and the woman with the issue of blood have in common? Everybody say "Desire." desire. That woman didn't say, when's Jesus coming to where I'm at? I'm going to where he's at. I'm going to go touch him. I'm getting healed today. And when she touched him, you can't say it was Jesus' will to heal her. Jesus didn't seek her out. When she touched him, Jesus said, who touched me? Who just touched me? And the disciples said, Master, there's people all around you bumping into you. Why do you say who touched me? And Jesus said, no, somebody deliberately touched me. I can't put words in your mouth, but I can tell you for me, I've gone to my shame. I've gone to some church services to attend. It was Sunday morning. I'm supposed to be in church. I was tired. I was was there. My goal was to keep my eyes open. I had no expectation of my faith. So there were people all around Jesus not getting anything, bumping into him. No power shot into him. And then there's some services I've gone to. I want a breakthrough. I need a miracle. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I'm coming to this meeting, and I'm going to get something in this meeting that's going to change my life. I wasn't sitting to keep my eyes open. I was sitting like this, locked eyes. I heard Bishop David Oyedepo say when he was frustrated that his church had plateaued at like 100 and some people, 300 people, he came to Tulsa to Brother Hagin's convention. He said, I couldn't tell you anybody else in the auditorium or who sang. My eyes were fixed on Brother Hagin, and I knew he had a word from the Lord for me that was going to change me when I went back to Nigeria. He said, "I I can't remember one person I spoke with. I came there to get something from that man of God. That's how this woman was. Because when she came and saw the big crowd, she was like, well, there's no way somebody like me can get to him. She pressed through the crowd and dove and grabbed the hem of his garment. And... Healing virtue shot out into her and she could feel Mark chapter five and she could feel within herself that the fountain of blood had dried up and she was free from her affliction. Jesus realizing what had happened said, who touched me? Oh, master, there's lots of people touching. You. No, somebody deliberately touched me for I must f- say deliberately touched me. Somebody deliberately touched me for I felt healing virtue flow out from me. The woman trembling at the realization of what had happened acknowledged that it was her, thinking Jesus is going to yell at her. And he said, woman, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well your faith not my will has made you well not my name has made you well we believe the holy spirit is not doing that today he didn't say the holy spirit made you well he said your faith we believe the holy spirit uh, is not in operation like that today fine even if you were right he didn't say the holy spirit made her well he said what made her well has faith passed away has faith died with the last apostle If it it has, we're all going to hell because you can't be saved without faith. But faith is alive on the earth, and to every man is dealt the measure of faith. The same way that woman turned her faith loose, you can turn your faith loose tonight in Dallas and say, I'm not staying where I'm at. I'm going to turn my faith loose and draw on God's power. But you're never going to get it having some preacher tell you that it's wrong for you to have desires. I know we should be content where we're at. I'm, you know what the Bible says? Having food and raiment be content. I'm not preaching or believing trying to get better clothes or more food. Good Lord, I ate Terry Black's barbecue yesterday. I haven't been hungry since. It's like supernatural food. That barbecue, that barbecue, I didn't even bless it. It already had a halo over it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing it to improve me, but I have a desire. <laughs> you think we're looking at property and using our faith to acquire property because I want <laughs> a big church? I'm already saved. I go sit in my house and play video games and go to heaven. I don't need property and electric bills and maintenance bills and go on TV. I'm not I'm not using my faith for that. Once you get saved, there's still faith in you. And it's not faith for you just to get better. It's faith to change the world, to reach out, which will require property and help and money and equipment. And your faith reaches out like holy tentacles and brings them to you. Somebody say, I have, faith. I have faith. There's some people that have been going to church a while saying, I know I believe that, Jonathan, but I don't have faith like you. Yep, yeah, but you got the same Bible I got, and that's where I got all my faith. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say better amen? amen. And if, if, if life's determined by what you say, if faith operates by what you say, then one thing I'd stop saying is, I don't have faith, I, I have trouble believing, I have a curse, well, I have a generational curse, I'd throw all that in the trash. And I'd start saying, thank you, Father, that I have faith. Thank you that I have your word, which builds faith. Thank you that you said whatsoever I believe, when I speak it, I'll have whatever I say. I'm not speaking about the mountain anymore. I'm speaking to the mountain. I'm telling it to get out of my way. I'm going higher. I'm not staying where I'm at. I'm telling any minister that's watching me online, you should stop preaching the desire out of people. When did Jesus tell people they should accept sickness? Uh, hey, Bartimaeus, what do you want? I want to see typical human beings, <laughs> always wanting present things, never wanting eternal things. Where, where, where did Jesus say, let me ask you. The Bible says he gives liberally and upbraideth not. You know what that means? He won't rebuke you for asking for something. He's pleased when you ask him for something because it shows that you believe that he's able to provide. True or false? Verdad? No, verdad. Verdad. Is there one Spanish person here? Good good Lord. They closed the border already. (laughs) True or false? True. They brought unto him the sick. He never heal anybody. No, not you, uh-uh, not doing it. No, tired of these people always wanting food. Oh, they're hungry. I've been praying for people and preaching, and they're, they're hungry. Oh, they got these human beings, no, no, no. Tell them to sit down in groups of 50. Bring me the bread and fish. And he blessed it, and gave thanks for it. And the bread and fish began to multiply, and everybody ate until full, and, they, until, and there were still 12 baskets left over. He's not a jerk. Jesus is not a jerk. A lot of people that preach about Jesus are uncompassionate jerks. But Jesus is not one. He's full of compassion. He's full of unfailing love. He never could run dry of compassion. He taught, then preached, then healed. Then they brought more children to get prayed for. And the disciples said, hey, enough. Jesus said, no, not enough. Don't, re- don't keep the children from coming. Allow them to come. For such is the, ch- the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on the children and blessed them all. Yeah. Jesus is say, Now our time's up. And we have the second service coming in. So if you go. We don't have time to pray right now. But we have a prayer conference coming up at the end of the month. It's $50 per person if you register now. But it, um, And you can get a VIP pass for $100 where I'll be able to shake your hand backstage. No, no, no. That's all. That's, that mess... Is what got the country into this mess this country is not in a mess because of the Democrats or Republicans or the World Economic Forum or whoever else you want to blame judgment begins in the house of God and when preachers started to preach against faith and stop praying for the sick and stop dealing with people's actual needs and giving people a little 28 minute message that began with an apology I know we've already been here for 50 minutes. I'm just going to share a couple quick thoughts with you, bro. Then we're going to pray a prayer dismissal. So we'll get you right out of here. Apologizing for the Bible before they even start. That's what created a spiritual vacuum that allowed the devil to move in. But the same thing that allowed the devil to move in, if you flip it, will kick his rear end right out. And that is the word of faith that we preach with signs and wonders following that God is a living God. And when you call on him, he'll answer you. He'll be with you in trouble. I said he'll be with you in trouble. Look at that haircut. You look nice. Would you have a court hearing? No, I'm just going. God told Hezekiah, "Set your affairs in order, for you're going to die. You will not recover from this illness." Now, for all these people that are hardcore you know, yes, but you have to remember God has a will. Well, God just told what His will was. You're going to die. Hezekiah had a desire. I don't want to die. He turned to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O oh Lord, how I've always been faithful to you and have served you single mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. Then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. He wasn't even out of the parking lot yet. And God said, Turn around and go back in. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Say that with me. I've heard your prayer. Say, I've seen your tears. Don't you ever let any, you know, listen, let me just crack everything in the head. I'm like at a Chuck E. Cheese in the spirit right now. Because I'm sick of this. I had to sit through this in church for 18 years. People trying to deaden your faith? Throw, throw wet blankets on the fire God lit in you? You're know, be in youth group. I know you young people think you're going to get out there and win the world for Christ. I think, brother, I am going to go out and win the world for Christ. It's not going to be from listening to some dried up hack like you. I don't like unbelief. I don't like it. Why would any preacher think it's their job? Because they failed to pass their failure by impartation to other people. I know you think you're going to go out and everything's going to work out, but the truth is, truth is what? Truth is in the Bible. Bible. The Bible does not give me, I don't care what background you're from, you cannot read this book and tell me that God gives me an expectation of a hard, failure-filled life if I serve him. He told me, if I will hearken diligently to observe and to do all the commands of that book, I will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. The heathen will see me and know that I'm a people claimed by God. Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14. And they'll stand in awe of me that I'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when I come in and blessed when I go out. I will lend to many, but I shall not borrow. Yeah, but there's enemies. Yes, and when my enemy attacks me from One direction, I will make him run from you in seven directions. That's what the Bible says. I don't care what you say, I care what the Bible says. What scripture is that? I mean, life's hard. What scripture? Give me a scripture. We have the transgressor's heart. I'm not a transgressor. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a blood bought child of God. I got blessings. I got blessings chasing me down. The Bible says, the Bible says, surely, not hopefully, surely goodness and mercy will follow you how many days of your life? That's right you got something named surely and you got you got something named goodness something named mercy that's guaranteed to track you down every time you open your eyes up I don't get out of bed and say what's going to go wrong today I get out of bed and say thank you father that goodness and mercy are tracking me down I expect a miracle today cuz I serve a miracle working god You're the God that said delight yourself in me and I'll give you the desires of your heart What's your name in the black jacket? Coriana? You're gonna have a good life. You stay close to God, God will give you the desires of your heart. Yes, but if you're really loving God, you shouldn't desire any carnal things. Oh, yeah? Is that a fact? You imaginary person I'm arguing with, you imaginary devil. Then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I've heard your prayers and seen your tears. And I'm going to kill you anyway, because I've already made up my mind. No. I will what? How many? Oh, you don't want to die? Should have said so earlier. Okay, get 15 more years. Ask and you shall receive. So God, the devil does everything in his power to make you feel bad for asking. God, you know what an alcoholic I was for 20 years. And if you do this one thing for me, I promise I'll never talk to you again. What, what, father, what loving father wants to hear that from their child? Camila, come to me. Hey, I'll, Dad, can you get me some yogurt? And if you'll give it to me, I promise I'll never talk to you again. Uh, I'd actually like you to talk to me again. So then get your own yogurt because I, I really like you. You know what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11? It's easy to remember because it's 7-11. Matthew 7-11. If ye fathers being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father not meet the needs? Give good gifts. A gift is not something... I don't give my daughter her needs for Christmas. I give her gifts for Christmas. An expression of my love for her. And Jesus said, if you fathers... Being evil, now, Al Capone brought it, bought his son all kinds of nice stuff. He was evil, and he had compassion for his son. If you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts? But sadly, there's the next part. To all who ask, faith can never work separate from desire. So when someone tells you that God's not interested in, help, in, in granting what you desire, they are not teaching you about the God of the Bible. They're teaching you a dead religious God. And Pentecostal churches can be just as wrong and dead as Catholic churches in that area. Because it's, it's the same religion. It's religion. How many, how many uh, lepers were the Pharisees healing? None. How many women with the issue of blood were the Sadducees healing? None. Religion has no compassion. It has no Access point of God's power. That's why Jesus came and got the power to the people and rebuked the religious people. Jesus was super kind to prostitutes. He was kind to murderers. He was kind to all kinds of people that society wanted nothing to deal with. But when you hear him talk to religious teachers, he lit them up. Yeah. 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 You whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. You cross land and sea to make one convert and then turn him into twice the son of hell you are. Did he say that or not? That doesn't sound very Christ-like. No, it's 100% Christ-like. Christ said it. He hated. You know what he said? You turn this into a burden that you yourselves cannot bear and pass it on to the people. When this was written to set people free. David didn't see God that way. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Not I was sad when they said unto me. It's right, Sunday. Uh, let me tell you something. If your alarm goes off on Sunday morning, and you love Jesus, and you dread going to your church, you are going to a wrong church. Now, if you're backslidden, if you've got a girlfriend laying in bed next to you, you're the problem. But if you're living for the Lord, and you love God, and you dread Sunday, you need to re-examine some things. I told my wife that way back when we were living in Maine. We left the state relocated to another on-fire church in Virginia Beach because my alarm would go off on Sunday. And I hated going to, I hated it like a paper straw. (laughs) Hated it. One day I thought, what am I doing getting up going? Why do I hate going to church? I love God. I love Jesus. I love everything about what the the church stands for. Why do I hate going to this place? Because it's dead. You're not supposed to leave church feeling worse. Some churches, their whole goal is to get women to quit wearing makeup and earrings. I've been there. I have testimony services. Praise the Lord. My daughter came back home to the Lord, washed her makeup off, took her earrings. You Look at her daughter. Tell her to put the makeup and earrings back on. She proved her point. Now, put the makeup back on. Oh, yeah trying to get everybody miserable. Everybody walking in the church, there's no joy. There's some churches. I'm, I, 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 you know, If it wouldn't just super go over the line and offend everybody, I would put screenshots from live streams of last Sunday. I just go over on YouTube and go to a bunch of full gospel churches and put the people on stage on the live stream. You would think that there was a $5,000 penalty at that church if you were caught smiling. Sitting there thinking, do those musicians know he's alive? Do they know we have the victory? What's wrong with you? Did you ever read I'll enter his gates with Thanksgiving in my heart? How many appreciate Kenzie getting up there and leading worship for almost an hour, full of joy, going strong, going into the 60 minute mark? Come on, let her hear your hand. Yes. Clarita and Tony, happy. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. I don't care how much you say you pray, I don't care about any of that. If you don't smile in church, I don't believe you're a Christian, I don't. I don't tell anybody, so that's judgmental. I judge a lot of things. I judge restaurants on Yelp before I'll go there. I'm very, very. I I use discernment and I judge things. I judge whether a bridge is safe for travel. I judge whether a plane is safe for flight. One of the jets we chartered, they turned it on and there were red lights all over the dashboard. I thought, well, I'm no pilot, but that doesn't look good. And they said, hold on, let us turn, turn it off and turn it back on again. Maybe we can get those lights to go away. And they, they didn't go away. They said, give us 20 minutes. We might be able to get it fixed. I thought, even if you can get it fixed, I'm out of here. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I've judged this plane as unsafe to carry my gospel behind. <laughs> I don't want to fly on a plane that you were just able to MacGyver it working again. <laughs> We're able to put some duct tape around one of the screws. We're good to go. Okay, I'm out of here. Yeah. I don't believe you. If you're sad, there's no joy. There's no Holy Ghost. Church, it sounds as dead as a doornail. Everybody on the stage. One semi-fast song, seven slow songs. Man, you'll never know what it did for my spirit watching Pastor Vicky Hankins lay on the ground and laugh. For 45 minutes, that's the joy of the Lord. that is your strength. How many of you got a baptism of joy in the last two nights and you're still running off enough? I'm telling you that joy is going to be like a tidal wave. You're not going to run off that for one day. It's going to increase and, and grow for the rest of your life. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What was the other scripture I told you to go to after Isaiah 38? Oh, so I already did them both. Isaiah 38. I'll add 15 years to your life, and then I'll give you a bonus. I'll rescue you from this city and from the you and this city from the king of Assyria. I'll defend this city. So God gave him a bonus. Okay, you want to live? I'll extend your life. And the king that's that's uh, fixing to kill you, I'll take him out for you. God's pleased by faith. God will turn everything around when he hears the cry of faith. I mean, no, God's not interested in your desires. He's interested in his desires. Oh, yeah? Did God need Hannah to have a baby? No. God, God, God's in heaven. He's having a good time up there. Been having a good time for a long time. I know you listen to American preachers. God's angry. No, He's actually, the Bible says the Holy One sits in heaven and laughs. He's having a good time. The air conditioning's not broken. Their streets of gold. Just because you're, you're ticked off doesn't mean he is. Amen. Can you say a better amen? No, he, he's not unhappy. In his presence is fullness of? Yeah, not fullness of anger. Fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore. And then he said, if you'll call on me, but you, okay, let's break this sentence down. Call on me, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call on me, and I not might answer you. I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. In that sentence, who initiates contact? Who? We do. If you'll call, I'll answer. The woman with the issue of blood could have bled out and died, and God would have never come. Where's God when I was hurting? Same place. You go to him. When you get hungry, you start moving. Can you say amen? You know, we're going to that Ridgely Theater. On Friday night, who in the world in America advertises that a meeting starts at 7 p.m. and then closes at 1 in the morning? That we're going to preach, praise, and pray till 1 a.m. Do you know why? It's not a meeting to come and enjoy a 90-minute theater show. It's a call to the hungry of Central Texas and Oklahoma and South Texas. Who wants to come and give praise to the Lord and receive of his power and get clear on their calling and tell the devil you're not going to have this state? (laughs) Hunger. Hey, I heard you're going a third week. Is anyone coming? Oh, yeah. Because you know what they were taught? You know what they were taught in the seminary? People don't go to church once a week. They won't pay attention. They can't stay there for any more than 70 minutes. People aren't hungry. You know, so then we need to gear church for people that are satisfied and not hungry. I would hear that all the time. I had a pastor tell me one time, as soon as the auditorium is more than 70% full, you'll start losing people because people don't want to hunt for a seat. And then as soon as the parking lot's more than 70% full, you'll lose people because people don't want to hunt for a parking spot. Guess what? I don't want those kind of people in my church anyway. And as they're telling me that at a restaurant, there's an NFL game on. I remember it was Packers against, Green Bay Packers against New England Patriots. It was at the four-hour, 20-minute mark from when the game started. It was 38 degrees. It was an outdoor game, and it was sleeting, and nobody was moving, and it was sold out. So as this guy's telling me about human nature and what people will and won't do, I pointed at the screen and said, are those human beings? Or is this game taking place on another planet? He said, what are you talking about? I said, you said that people can't sit for more than 70 minutes. They've been there for four hours and 20 minutes. You said they don't want to sit next to someone. They're sitting with people's uh, sides overflowing onto their seat, spilling beer on them. You said people won't park if they have to look for a parking spot. These people are paying $80 per car to park two miles away from the stadium. And they're sitting outside, getting sleeted on, walking after paying 80 80 bucks a car, singing, We are the Packers. (laughs) No, you're not. (laughs) I said, so how do you explain that? He said, I've never thought of that. I have thought of it how can people pay 80 bucks to park and sit for four and a half hours because it's easy to do what you love when you were in love with your girlfriend you could text till 5 in the morning wake up for work at six thirty, never even feel it you were fueled by hot fiery love for your girlfriend or boyfriend and when you were first in love with Jesus they couldn't have enough church services you were here all the time what made the fire go out I want to tell you the fire must never go out your love for God must stay hot and I'm glad I'm preaching to people that are lukewarm I found Texans I found a church that's in love with the one who gave their life for them come on if you're one of them take 60 seconds clap your hands all ye people shout unto God come on take a minute let it rip I love you Jesus Come on, 30 more seconds. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Wave your hand, Miss Susie. Wave your hand so people can see you. Been here for two weeks from California. Supposed to fly back home. She said, I, I, I feel like canceling, she wrote me, I feel like canceling my flight. I wanna stay for the third week. What should I do? I said, what does your husband say? She said, let me check. He said, he's okay with it. I said, then do, do what's in your heart. There she is, there walking with her mom, hungry. Two weeks wasn't enough. Can you say amen? You know that, what no eye has seen is a week, 10 a.m., 7 p.m. I'm not announcing who's speaking what nights. I want people coming to hear their favorite guy and take off. I want to find people from all over the world, come, and they're coming. They're coming from Australia, coming down from Canada, coming from Europe, that'll sit and sit and listen to the Word of God. Timothy uh, Eusta that was here last night, he told me in the parking lot exactly what was in my heart. He said, you know, I'm going to see you up in Pittsburgh. He said, I feel like that's bigger than your church or even uh, the, like, like, like a conference, even though it's going to be good. I feel that's going to be like a lighting of a fire in America that people are going to take all over the world. It's going to be the catalyst that begins this... Final butt-kicking of the devil. That's exactly what we call It's a gathering of champions. It's a call going out from all over the world. Who's going to not bow their knee to bail? Who's not going to kiss their face? Who's going to say, no, I'm going to make a run for God? Somebody shout amen like thunder. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift both hands to the Lord. Say, I have faith. faith. I'm going to get more faith. I'm going to light that faith on fire. With the power of the Holy Ghost. Ghost. I won't be normal. I won't be be talked out of of my promised land. Though there are giants in the land. The Lord is with me. And I'm able to possess it. Now lift your hands and just begin to thank God. Whatsoever things ye desire. What do you desire? What are you desiring? I don't want to have cancer. You don't have to have it. I don't want to die. You don't have to, die. You don't have, to have it. You don't have to have, you don't have to have macular degeneration. You don't have to have deafness. You don't have to have results of a stroke. They brought unto him all their sick, and no matter what their sickness or what their disease. He healed them all and when your faith says yes God will never say no you can be seated but you have to ask yourself though is that your will or is that God's will do you know you can line your will up with God's will how many people if God had his way how many people does he want to go to hell no You know, ever since they legalized marijuana, we've been getting a lot of that. All of them. No. Every last one of them. How many people, if God had his way, does he want to go to hell? No. Good. You got it the second time. Man, I was like, how legalistic is this church? How many people does God want to go to hell? All of them. Every last one of them. Burning a the devil's hell. Now, if God doesn't want... Now, if, if you catch this, I can help you. If God doesn't want anybody to go to hell and everything God wants to happen happens, then everybody's going to go to heaven, right? Nope. Jesus said the way that leads to hell is broad for the many who choose. Choose. Religion wants you to think your life is predetermined by God's will. If that's true, why fast? Why pray? Why come to any church meetings? If the same thing's going to happen whether you go to all the church meetings or none of the church meetings, if the same thing's going to happen if you pray a lot or don't pray at all, if the same thing's going to happen whether you tithe or don't give a cent, they used to teach, you know, when I was in Pentecostal church, God bless the one who gives and blessed the one who doesn't give. Okay, then I'm not giving. You get the same blessing either way. What knucklehead's putting any money in the offering? So if, if the course of my life, you can keep everything out. I'm not supposed to be back here. <laughs> if the course of your life is already predetermined by God, then why do anything? And then people carry that out that even the course of your eternity has already been predetermined. God already picked who's going to heaven. God already picked who's going to hell. Okay, <laughs> then. Okay, then I, what, what? What difference does anything make? Want to go to church? No. Just go, just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. What's the point of trying anything? I mean, no, whatever God wants to happen is going to happen. You know, people say this. Don't say amen when I say this, because people are on autopilot, and when I make this statement, you're so used to amending it, you're going to amen it, and then you're going to regret that you said amen. So I'm giving you fair warning. Do not say amen after my next sentence. You hear people say, God is in control. Thou, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Thou, Mary, full of grace. Oh, oh. Forgive them, Father, for they know. The public school system has failed us. You hear people say, let me try this side. <laughs> I don't know where to go. <laughs> I'm going to stick with you guys. You hear people say, God is in control and people will amen. So you stay mending it. If you ask them please not to, it just comes out anyway. Now, when you say that and you mean it, that God's absolutely in control, you know, somebody will have like their son that's five years old, get hit by a car and die. So, well, God's in control as if God Everything is part of God's master plan. But to believe that, you got something, something's not working right in your central nervous system. Because if everything, if everything that God wanted to happen was going to happen, and everything that happens is a part of God's will, then every rape that occurred tonight is part of God's will. When God specifically said it in the Bible that it's a sin, He doesn't like it. So does God will sin? Okay. Then the, so if God doesn't want there to be any sin, but there's plenty of sin every night and every day. There's robberies. Does, does God will armed robbery? Would anybody in their right mind watch a child get physically abused at home and say, well, God's in control? You know, if you teach that, and I've told this before, John Gotti, I was watching the documentary on John Gotti, And he was a lower-level mafia guy, and his associate said when things turned. His son was between 9 and 11, riding his bike at dusk, and a car hit his son and killed him. And the guy said, John Gotti was in the funeral home uh, while the mortician attended to his son to make him presentable for the funeral. And he he said he was just standing there, stoic, looking at his only son. And the associate, because they're raised Catholic, they went out picking on Catholics. Wouldn't have been any different. The Assemblies of God people would say the same thing. They said, uh, well, we got to trust God's will. And he said, don't talk to me about blinking God. If God did this, then I don't want anything to do with him. And he said, that was when he turned from just doing, you know, petty extortion and stuff like that to hardcore crime. Because if that's God, I don't want anything to do with him. Now, there's a lot of people in this auditorium, because it would be true if you were in any auditorium. That you have had that sold to you. That the harshest thing that ever happened to you in life was somehow part of God's plan. And though we don't know why he did that, we just have to trust him. And I won't ask you to shake your head or anything, but it'd be true for a lot of people. Um, What was the example I was going to give that I was thinking of? Somebody that came to one of our meetings and they told us that's... Oh, I remember. I was preaching on a Tuesday night in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, and I was preaching. I was not preaching a message like this. I was preaching on, like, Bible prophecy. And then out of left field, this thing comes up in my spirit. I just, out of nowhere, had nothing to do with anything I was talking about. I said, what idiot would tell somebody that just lost their child that God wanted another rose for his garden? Do ministers say that at children's funerals or not? So you got 60 people at a graveside of a child, And most of these people have never been to church or they haven't been to church in 10 years. And the first thing they hear about God from this backslidden jackass is that God, wanted another rose for his garden. And so he killed your child. Now, I'm going to tell you, you're going to answer to God for telling people that. Because if you have a brain and someone tells you that's who God is, and you don't know the Bible, which most people don't, you are going to say the same thing John Gotti said. Okay, if that's God, some psychopath that kill, kills children. I'm out of here. So if, if he does stuff like that, that, then I don't want anything to do with him. And you wouldn't be wrong. You wouldn't be wrong. I'd avoid him too. I'd avoid him with every fiber of my being. I'd, if God did stuff like that, you'd never catch me in church another day in my life. And I want to tell anybody about him except to avoid him. So I said what I just said right now. What psychopath... Tells people at a child's funeral that their son was killed by God. Then I went through a litany of scriptures telling why that isn't true. I'll give them to you. Go to John 10.10. T.L. Osborne called this the gospel in one verse. The devil tells you plain as day what the devil's purpose is. Yeah. To steal, yeah. to kill, yeah. and to destroy. Yeah. Got a question for you. How do you destroy after you kill? Once you kill, it's over. You know, if somebody has cancer and they die, the doctor's not worried about further destruction of their body. Once the kill, killing, it's over. You want to know how? When the devil does his work to kill. You know, my mother had a disease. We prayed. She died. So I don't believe in that stuff anymore. He not only killed your mom, after he killed her, he destroyed your faith. And if the devil had his way, and there's hundreds of people here like this, that, are, that, that the devil's plan is going to get flipped around. Because if I were to sit down with you one by one, Many of you could tell me a story of something harsh that happened, that after that happened, the devil then got in your ear. Oh, if God's so good, why did he do that? The devil is a master deceiver. He'll slap you in the face and get you to think it's God doing it. Why would God do that to you? Why would God do that to you? If God's a God of love, why would he do that? You know, religion, because they won't fast and pray and enter into the power of God, they ignore demons and ignore the devil. You know, my son overdosed on drugs. I don't know what God's plan is. God's plan was for your son to never touch drugs. But there's this second character called the devil who goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So you want me to tell you what I want every person to do tonight? All the anger that the devil misplaced in you to get you to be mad at God. It's time to turn it 180 degrees and say, you foul devil. I realize now God's not the author of my poverty. God's not the author of cancer. God's not the author of my tears. That was you. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life taking God's power and setting people free because you are the one. I mean, no, it's God's will. No, the devil also has a will. And it's not a shaded will. God, The Bible tells you specifically what, what Satan's will is and what God's will is. And then you ascertain who's who. There's things that try to happen. Let me ask you a question. If you think everything's God's will in life, what would you ever stand against? Well, I can't pay my mortgage. guess God wants me to move out onto the street. There's no stand. The Bible tells you there's things to stand against. What would you stand against if everything that happens is God's will? People want to trust God in the good times, but then in the stormy seasons, they want there to be a... Yeah, you should. I mean, no, the storms come. We don't know why, but Jesus is our anchor in the storm. What scripture is that? How much crack do you smoke before you preach? Giving you the benefit of the doubt and blaming it on crack. (laughs) Jesus was only in one storm. Did he make himself into the shape of an anchor and have him tie a rope around his ankles and say, throw me over? (laughs) And Jesus anchored them in the storm? Did that happen? Did it happen? So, where do you get this anchor from the storm? You know, there was a singer that wrote a song when I was growing up in church The Anchor Holds. Though the ship is battered, the anchor holds, though the sails are torn. The reason your ship is battered and your sails are torn is nautical class 101. Never drop anchor in where? (laughs) Then it turned out the guy that wrote that song 10 years later left his wife for another dude. I could have told you problems when he wrote the ship song. His mind wasn't working right. I was the least surprised person in the church. Can you believe? Yes, I can believe it. Terrible song. Yeah, it's a true story. Jesus was only in one storm. Did he anchor them in the storm? Did he put his arms around the disciples and say, We don't know how long this storm is going to be here, boys. But if we keep our eyes on my father, what did he do? He rebuked it. And you know, if you read, I had a rabbi in Lakewood, New Jersey, give me a transliterated copy of the Bible from the original language. So you can't really read it because it's like if you translate Spanish into English, if you try to translate it word for word, it doesn't work. You have to do it like phrase for phrase. Well, this transliterated the Bible from the Aramaic and Greek into English. So you you couldn't preach out of it, but you could study out of it. Do you know in the original language, it says that that sudden storm, listen to this now. Maybe I should get it out of the Bible instead of just quote it to you. Where's my Bible? Ah, found you. (laughs) Turn to the book of Mark. I'm going to do part two of this tomorrow night. So if you don't like this message, make sure to not come tomorrow night. <laughs> Luke, uh, Mark chapter four. Verse 35, Mark four, verse 35. And with some of the answers I've been getting tonight when I asked the crowd for help, the f- <laughs> four is the big number. 35 is the little number. I just heard someone cock a revolver, so he's up on the sarcasm. As evening came, Jesus came to said to his disciples, "Let us pass over to the other side." Jesus is the word made flesh. So when he said, "Let us pass over to the other side," what's God's will? For them to pass over to the other side. I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. So God said to pass over to the other side. So it's going to be smooth sailing, right? No, that's not right. 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship, so it was now full. In the original language, it's a demonically inspired storm. You know, Peter was a professional fisherman. So if he said, it's not like it was his first time out on the water, and he said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? This guy lived on the water. Might have helped his dad out on the water, but we know at least he ran his own professional fishing company. So it it was a storm that a seasoned fisherman said, I've never seen the storm to see this bad." We're going to die. If a professional captain tells you we're going to die, you're going to die. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so it was now full, 438. And Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Oh, I thought he didn't have a pillow to lay his head on. You never heard of allegory? What do you think, Jesus slept his whole life with his head cockeyed off the side of a bed? He said, I have no home of my own. He was asleep on what? And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Before we go on to the next verse. People miss the will of God because they have a go with the flow mentality. Well, we felt the Lord speak to us to go to the other side, but there was a storm, so we turned back. When the storm raises up, encourage yourself in the Lord and don't do what they said. See, they're going to get rebuked, and I'm going to tell you why they got rebuked. Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? That's what people do now. They know the will of God. They start to do the will of God. All hell breaks loose. And instead of speaking to the hell, God, why would you let this happen? I want you to say this with me from your belly. Whatever I bind on earth. Whatever I bind on earth. You sound good. Now, with that kind of voice, I feel like we can go take the country. Yeah. One more time. Whatever I bind on earth. God binds it in heaven. In heaven. Whatever, I earth, Whatever I permit on earth, God permits it in heaven. God it in heaven. We, don't, we don't use the term bind and loose anymore. That's 17th century legal language. But you could translate in modern language. Whatever you forbid on earth, I forbid it in heaven. Whatever you allow on earth, I'll allow it in heaven. Why is God allowing this? Why don't you instead flip it on you? See, that's what people, I think that's why things go over well in Texas. And I'm not trying to compliment you. I have never said anything fake in my life. And I'm not going to start tonight. But Texans are personal responsibility people. You have your own ranch. You got your own land. You don't want help from the cops. You got your own cop at your side. That's Texas, Texas is old school America. I feel like writing on Twitter, if you, you hear all these people, I wish the way I missed the way America was 30 years ago, then move to Texas, because it's like that here right now. You know, pe- people take responsibility for themselves. People have families. You know what's interesting? Like I'll, I'll tell you the difference between Texas and other places. So like you go to the Fort Worth Stockyards, right? You're allowed to open drink on the sidewalk, or at least they don't enforce it if you're not. And everybody's out drinking beer, but you don't see any fights during the day or anything, or anybody harassing women. You know why? Because the daddies are all there. And if you were getting out of line, some big guy with an Ariat shirt on (laughs) would put his hand on your shoulder and tell you to take it easy. But then you go other places in the country where if they have open drinking, it's a free for all because people aren't personal responsibility people. It's almost like people are like police in the street on their own in Texas and people don't get out of line. So I think this faith message, there's a reason it headquartered in Texas and Oklahoma, because the unbelief message allows you to blame God for everything. But faith puts the finger on you. What are you allowing? What are you permitting? Well, God, why do you allow? God said, why are you allowing it? Now, keep a marker there and turn to Exodus chapter 14. Anybody getting anything out of this tonight? Exodus 14. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the quickening power of God. Exodus 14, 13. They're going to a Red Sea. Now, here's another problem. They come up to the Red Sea. They can't get across. There's 1.3 million of them. And then Pharaoh changed his mind and sent the army to come take them. So they got the army behind them and an uncrossable sea in front of them. What do you do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Now, people say amen during all that, but Moses got rebuked for what he said because what he said is wrong. And that's where people miss it now. All right, you know, I'm sick, but I know God. No, God's already did everything he's going to do. And for Moses, God already did everything he's going to do. God gave Moses, if you'll catch this, you're, you, will, you will run roughshod over the devil the last six months of this year. Hallelujah. God gave Moses a rod and said, Take this rod and with it do signs. I will make you a God, small g. I will make you a God unto Pharaoh. What you say goes. Whatever you speak, I'm going to back you, and this is your rod of power. The Bible says Jesus is the rod that proceeds from the line of Jesse. So what Moses held in his hand, we have in our heart. God's already all power has been given unto you. Where do you get all power has been given unto you? Jesus said all power while he was on earth. All power has been given unto me. But when I go, this is why I said, you folks think it'd be better if I stay on the earth, but it's actually better for you if I leave than if I stay. For if I stay, I cannot send another. He is the Holy Ghost who is with you now, but later will be in you. And you shall receive after that, the comes upon you and shall be my witnesses. Then you start reading. They got filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2. Now they're not praying for the sick. They're grabbing the sick by the arm and yanking them to their feet. They're laying the sick outside the church that perhaps their shadow might fall across them. They're not calling on God to do it. They're taking their power and saying, such as I have, give I thee. I'm looking at a room full of people. They're going to take their rod and with it do signs. Go ahead, take 30 seconds and clap. Let the devil know he's in for a bad year. Sorry, I just have an Uber Eats order. Put Exodus 4.17 on the board. Look at Game Show Host. Put it on the board. (laughs) Read the first line. Read the first line. Read the second line. Take this rod and with it do signs. Put Isaiah 8:18 8, on the board. Hope I got it right. Isaiah 8:18. 8, Go ahead and read it out loud all at once. Yes. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are created for signs and wonders. Put Mark 16, 15 up. Before we read Mark 16, I want you to close both eyes, put your right hand on your belly and say this. I was created, I was created for, signs and for signs and wonders. I'm not a victim. I'm, a, victim. I'm a victor. I'm not searching for God's power, I carry God's power. I don't need a breakthrough, I carry breakthrough. I take my rod and with it do signs. Now put both hands in the air and just begin to thank God out of your mouth. I'm a carrier of signs and wonders, I'm not looking for signs and wonders, I carry signs and wonders. Where I go, signs and wonders go. i and the children you've given me were created for signs and wonders why are you on the earth why did god create you among other things for what i mean no, we all struggle no i'm created to put an end to people's struggles Hallelujah. i'm created in god's image and in his likeness created me god does not struggle god did not create me to struggle God didn't create marriage to suck the fun out of life. He created it as a further blessing. God didn't create children to be a burden He said they're like men with a quiver full of arrows The more you have the better it is They're a blessing to you as a parent All this crap they've shoved down your throat On media and in public school It's a lie from hell I'm not here to be a burden I don't need the government to take care of me The government needs me to take care of it I am an asset to my nation I am a lifter of mankind Not by might, not by power But by the spirit of almighty God Say it out loud, I'm not a burden, I'm a blessing. Say, I don't carry burdens, I carry blessings. Say, where my feet go, blessing comes. When I come on the scene, the devil must leave the scene. Say, there's a new sheriff in town. Now, there's people in the sound of my voice, you're going to go back to your apartment tonight. It's going to just start clearing. Evil spirits are going to just run out of there as you walk up without anything being said. I don't care if anybody, everybody in your housing complex is a witch. One light puts out all the darkness, and the light that's in you is greater than all the darkness that's in the world. Go ahead and celebrate it. Oh, clap your hands. All you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. This is the faith message. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it one more time. The Lord is good. good. And his mercy endures forever. forever. One more time. Whatever you came in here to get prayer for, I bet you, you forgot what it is. I don't need prayer. Somebody should pray for the devil. I'm about to I'm about to give him a heart six months. Can you say amen? <laughs> Someone should pray. I don't need prayer about witchcraft. Someone should pray that, that, that God goes easy on the witch because me and her aren't gonna inhabit the same place. How are you gonna to talk to me about generational curses and curses in my bloodline? Brother, I've got new blood in my veins. It's not cursed blood. It's the blood of the Most High God. I'm not an alcoholic. I have power to set alcoholics free. I'm not an addict. I'm not a recovering addict. I have power to knock addiction out. I'm not depressed. I have the mind of Christ. I'm not sick. By his stripes I am healed. Hallelujah! Woo! lives in me greater greater is he who lives in me go ahead and stand on your feet and rejoice go ahead let it rip the greater one the greater one lives in me take this rod and with it do signs Exodus 14 15 stay on your feet I'll, I'll go part two tomorrow uh, sorry I haven't been able to get through this I've only had three weeks Pastor Ryan's only let me preach three hours a night for three weeks. So sorry I haven't had a chance. And the Lord said unto Moses. You won't have to lift a finger today. The Lord will do it. And What did God say? Oh, no, my friend. That's not how it works. Wherefore dost thou cry unto me? Don't back up to an old relationship. I already gave you the rod. You get to work. I told you I made you the leader and I gave you my power. What are you talking to me for? Go. Tell the Red Sea where you want it to go. Tell it to move. Watch what it does. Whatever you bind. Hallelujah. And you know, this all goes full circle into what I started with about desire. You ain't going to bind anything if you accept it as your lot in life. Hey, all the women in our family had kidney problems. That kidney problem stops with you. Your kidneys will still be working after you're dead just to stick it to the devil. Here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say out loud, I'm not like everybody else. I'm not going to live like everybody else. I'm a child of the most high God. Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Bible says that whether you like it or not. And that wasn't in the new covenant, that was in an old covenant based on worse promises with no blood of Jesus. And even back then he told people, I'll give you what you desire. Hannah desired not just a child, she desired a son. Did God say, well, okay, let's not get get too carried away. I'll give you a daughter. No, he gave her a son. Then if you check up on her about a chapter or two later, she's like an Irish Catholic. She has like 11 more kids or something. Can't stop having kids. God turned her weakness into a strength. You know, God won't just give you the thing that you can't get in the flesh. God will turn your greatest weakness into your greatest strength. You won't just have one baby. You'll have all kinds of babies. As a testament that you serve the living God. You're going to have your own child, my friend. You're going to have it through your wife. No in vitro fertilization. The Lord opens your womb now. In Jesus mighty name. I don't care what a doctor told you. I don't care if you messed up your own body from your past life. The Lord by his mercy and in accordance with your faith makes you every whit whole. Yeah, let's just say a couple of things just to tick the devil off. Say I don't have problems. God has me on earth to put a stop to problems. Let me tell you, when I get invited to go pray for somebody at the hospital, I'm not there to put my arm around their shoulder. You know, hey, sorry, what's the doctor say, oh, well, yeah. I pray God, give them grace, to just give them a grace while they're here, to just slowly die with grace, and they see the grace. Oh, Lord, this effeminate prayer that I've learned from my backslidden teachers in seminary, that's a complete violation of your word. I pray as I use this tone of voice it would somehow override the principles of Scripture that you would put a grace on them, O oh Lord. Lord I'm careful now to not ask for anything in particular because that way the family can't pin it back on me, so just let all things be our grace and things and unspecificness in this voice. Amen. There now, there's nothing they can trace back to me, for I've had faith for nothing in particular. That's what they teach us in Bible college. You gotta be careful, because what happens if you pray and they don't get healed? What happens if you pray and they do get healed? I was growing up. My dad's a Pentecostal preacher. I wasn't allowed to dance. Dancing a sin. So I know like two things. <laughs> Junkyard dog. Ric Flair. <laughs> what happens if they do get healed? I'll tell you what'll happen. You start getting yourself a little reputation. One time my wife that was sitting down there. I was doing services morning and night for a week, which back then was a big deal for me. I hadn't done, I don't think I'd done it before. It was all me, no, no, no guests. So I'm preaching twice a day, laying hands on people. Then we go to lunch on Friday and I have to travel Saturday to go preach again. So Donna said, I just got a text message from somebody that lives in the area that their mother just went paralyzed all of a sudden from the neck down, couldn't, couldn't let, move anything. She's in the hospital. They don't know what caused it and they want you to go pray at the hospital. I said, I've been doing eight hours of meetings a day. No, she's in the hospital. She can't move. Okay, you got me there. All right. I said, can't they get, where do they go to church? Where's, can't somebody else? Am I God's only servant? And Dallas put her hand on my shoulder and went, I know, but you're going to go to that hospital after church tonight. You're going to go pray for that lady. And She's armed. So I said, yes, ma'am. So I finished preaching that night and I don't feel, I'm tired, like I gave it everything I got. So Kofi went with me and I was hungry and you know, it was late at night. So there's only the only place to eat or like, so I went to Taco Bell and I ordered and then I ate it outside of my car. Cause if you eat it inside of your car, it looks like Al Qaeda blew up a salad bar in your front seat, still finding shredded cheese from 1997. And then we drive to the hospital get there like 10 after two and walk in. You know, you look nuts when you're a preacher because you're wearing a suit and tie, but you're sweaty like you just did meth. (laughs) So they're they're like, you know, it's like, what? Are you, everything okay? You look, your tie loosens like you jumped in a pool, but you have a suit on. So the security guard goes at 210. Visiting hours are, are, are over. Oh, really? Your visiting hours aren't 210 in the morning? Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I said, I know I was already didn't even want to be there. I said, I know I was kind of hoping he'd throw me out and I could tell all, so they threw me out. I said, I know I'm not here to visit. I'm a minister. I'm here by request of a family to pray for someone. Okay. So I sign in Kofi parks the car and waits in the, uh, in the lobby. So I go up to the ladies room. I know her family. If it sounds like some far out story, I could play it for you or I could have them testify. I go to her room, lights are off. Who is that listening to tell this story? That they went and told him, "Oh yeah, that guy that prayed for his mother in Louisiana," and he said, "Told told him, don't turn the lights on. Don't wake my mother up. I'm not here to visit." That's how I felt. The nurse came in to turn the lights on. I said, "This is not a visit. I'm here to pray. Let her sleep. Put my hands on her and start praying." The lady opens her eyes. You could tell she was freaked out because you know you think you're like the too much morphine or something. (laughs) The preacher you went to see standing over you praying. It's like. So I started praying for her. I said, I command this paralysis. Say, I'm here for signs and wonders. I'm not here to make you comfortable when you die. I'm here to stop death. Here to stop paralysis. In the name of Jesus, I command this paralysis to leave you as quickly as it came on you. Be healed in Jesus' name. And when I said, be healed in Jesus' name, without thinking, she lifted her hand to thank God. I said, hey, look. I said, and then she looked, she looked at her own arm like, oh, I said, all right, I'm out of here. You got it. So I leave, right? By, by the way, her daughter sent me a picture of them fitting her staircase with a seat to go up it, with her walking up the stairs next to it, because they had already ordered it, the Medicare or whatever ordered it, and she's going up the stairs by herself, got full movement back and is still moving today. She goes to our church. So. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! So check this out. So This is what happens. See, when you, when you break a dominion barrier, it's like the ripples go out. So I get in the elevator so glad, quick, I'm going home. And I hit the bottom floor and step out, and there's two ladies with West Virginia sweatshirts on. I'm in Pittsburgh. She got, they got West Virginia University sweatshirts on. And they go, Brother Jonathan? I was like this close to going, No. I don't know who that is. My name's uh, Frank. I said, Yeah. They said, Oh, this must be God. I was like, No, I think it might be the devil trying to kill me. You know, at this point, it's almost like quarter to three. I said, How can I help you? They said, We want to hear you preach in 2012 and I got healed in your meeting. My mother's here. She knows you. She, she was in the meetings. Would you go pray for her? She had, what was the problem? She, her lungs were shutting down and she had a, a rash on her skin. I said, all right. So we're in the elevator going up. I'm like reluctantly doing my duty. And then we walk into the hospital room and this lady, the lights were on for whatever reason. She sits up and goes, she <gasps> Jonathan, you know, like she thought she was seeing things because it's, it's almost three in the morning. I walk in in a suit. Hey, I said, yeah, it's me. She said, you know, I, I like doing this. I want to do it more. I'll have somebody from Africa write me on Instagram that watched me on TV and said, would you pray for my family? I'll just hit the video call button. And I said, ah. you know, like, can you imagine writing Be- Benny Hinn or and they like call you? I was like, hey, you want a prayer? Put your mother on the phone. Pray for him real quick. Said, Thank you. It's easy. I'm going to do more of that. I like freaking people out. (laughs) So I walk in, and the mother, and I'm telling you, this one was more powerful than the lady who originally invited me, even though that was powerful, because the sisters thought it was God, because I was standing there in the lobby. Think of it. They're telling you, your mother's going to die. You go to the lobby, and then then the only guy you've ever seen pray for the sick is standing there, not because I'm the only guy that prays for the sick, the only guy they've seen. Oh, so they come in, they're like, Mom. He was in the lobby. This has to be God. So the mom lifts her hands. They're lifting their hands. You could fit in that room. You could feel the anointing. And I go to lay hands on her. And you know, I forget it's two something in the morning. So I, I only have one gear to pray. I don't know, Lord, just your uh, I'm like, in the name of Jesus, I command two new lungs into this body. So I, I'm making a lot of noise. So the doctor and two nurses walk in to see what the heck's going on. And when they walked in, the presence of God was so strong in there. They went like this. And stayed, and stayed for the print. I command your lungs to go. I said, put your hand on where the rash is. I command the skin to clear up. I command you to get get your oxygen back. And I'm telling you, I felt it so strong. I said, take your oxygen mask off. Uh, you know, you <laughs> can't be given orders at the hospital, but if you wear a suit, you can get away with a lot. Or a fluorescent vest <laughs> with a clipboard. You can do whatever you want. I said, take a look. now talk to me. Talk to me normal without having to take breath. Jonathan. I said, there, take a deep breath. I had to do it again. Until she's talking, then she's crying. The daughters are crying. The doctors said, that's awesome. Thank you. I said, you're welcome. And I got out of there. Kofi had been waiting for me forever. He said, what What took so long? I told him what happened. And he told me. He said, the day is going to come where you go to pray for somebody at the hospital and word's going to get out and people are going to start coming out of their rooms for prayer. Now, I've seen that overseas. Pastor Ataboye. By surprise, he can't announce it ahead of time, but he went to a hospital in Nigeria to go pray, and everybody came out of their rooms, like hundreds of them waiting for prayer, holding their little uh, IV sacks and all that, and he prayed for the whole hospital. You watch what's going to happen before Jesus comes back. I'm telling and you're not going to hear about it happening. God has you in these meetings because you're going to get an impartation and be a part of it happening in Jesus' mighty name. The fire, you, the fire is coming on you right now. I said the fire is coming on you right now. Tonight you receive an impartation of the gift of faith. You're going to come out of here and take the rod and with it do signs. You're not here to suffer. You're here to alleviate suffering in people's lives by the power of God. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, don't cry out to me. Tell the water to part. Don't cry out to me. Stretch forth your rod and with it do signs. Stop talking to God about the problem. Start talking to the problem. In the name of Jesus, curse cancer. In the name of Jesus, curse strife in the name of Jesus. Everything that has a name has to bow at the mention of that name. (laughs) Lift your hands unto the Lord. Say this from your belly. I'm anointed with the Holy Ghost and fire. To do great work for God. I was created created. for signs and wonders. I'm not here to suffer. I'm here to to alleviate suffering. suffering. Put your hands down and look up at me. In case you know the word a little bit. And then the scripture came out. Yeah, but the Bible says where to suffer. The suffering the Bible talks about that you're supposed to suffer is your persecution for the advancement of the gospel. 400 death threats that I got in three days when we announced we're gonna have a Easter service of 1,100 people in April of 2020. People were calling from all over the world to announce they're gonna kill me, as if we take appointments. (laughs) I remember the lady that answers the phone in our ministry. She said, people are calling saying, they're gonna kill you. We've had like hundreds of calls. What do you want me to tell them? I said, just just schedule them. Tell tell them I have a 4 p.m. at four open. Be called to kill. People that actually call you, unfortunately, the people that actually kill you, unfortunately, don't call ahead of time. So anybody that calls you or threatens you, you know they're full of crap, nobody sends a Facebook warning. I'm going to kill you. No, you're not. You can't even get out of your chair. Covered in Cheeto crumbs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, you didn't kill me. You can't kill me. Too handsome to be killed. Hallelujah. Praise God. No, no, no. It's not time to die. It's time to kick the devil around. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So there is suffering for the, the tests and trials of, of being named a follower of Christ, taking up your cross and following Jesus, but not cancer. Put, put James 5.13 up. Just stand up with me a little longer. i won't keep you on your feet all night. I'm going to pray for you. If you stay on your feet, it'll remind me to shut up for the night. James James 5.13. Hamas, Cinco. Is any among you afflicted? Put, um, and I've asked for it in the King James. Do this one in the NLT. Are any among you suffering? You should pray. So notice there's going to be two separate sets of instruction for suffering and sickness. Are you suffering? Are people calling telling you they're going to kill you if you don't shut your church down? Then you should pray. Not ask for prayer, you pray. That's why on Friday at Ridgely Feeder in Fort Worth, you're doing people a disservice if all you do is pray for them. Teach people to pray themselves. Because the truth is, I can't go to the gym for you, and unfortunately you can't go to the gym for me. And I can pray for you to an extent, but there's some things you'll never get till you learn to do your own praying. Amen. Are any among you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any among you happy? You should sing praises. Scripturally, if you're not a happy person, you're disqualified from music ministry, which is why this church has a good one. A lot of churches have bad ones. Fourteen. Are any of you sick? Okay. So every time you bring up healing, people that don't know the word and don't believe in healing say, yeah, but the Bible says we are to suffer. Suffering in the Bible is not sickness. That's why there's two different instructions. Are any among you suffering? You can't ask in Jesus' name. No one will ever cause you a problem for being a Christian again. You can't do that. You have to pray and withstand it and go forward. But are any among you sick? Oh, that's different. Because Jesus didn't take your persecution on the cross. But he did carry away all your sickness, all your disease in his own body. And by his stripes, you're healed. Now, if anybody in this room is still sick at this point in the preaching, I'd be surprised. It would be very difficult to remain sick sitting under a word like this because he sent his word and it healed them. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it, the gospel is the power of God at work. In fact, lift your hands where you're at right now. Whatever remains to be done in your body in the realm of sickness and disease, I commit it to be done right now. I loose miracles for your body right now. I command all weakness to go right now. Any damage that's been done to your body by stroke, to your central nervous system, the onset, early onset dementia, ALS, anything that attacks the central nervous system, I command it to be healed now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Everybody here that's 70 and older, every lie you've been fed, I reverse it now by the Word of God. That doesn't say as you get older, you get weak it says as your days are so shall your strength be James 5 14 you put your hands down look up are any among you sick you should just ask God what his will is. you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord and their prayer offered in faith shall save the sick will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well and if you've committed any sins you'll be forgiven Sin and sickness is always mentioned hand in hand. They're the Siamese twins of the devil. And healing and forgiveness of sin always go hand in hand. They're the Siamese twins of the gospel who forgives all my sins and how, heals how many of your diseases? Yeah, but COVID's new. doesn't matter, all's all. I laid hands on everybody for th- three years during the pandemic, no problems. These hands don't get sick, these hands heal the sick this body and people don't get sick in church people get healed in church and that's right brother and so, so many lies in 2020 one church choir up in up in washington state all the members got COVID and many are in the hospital and some died it wasn't a church choir it was a secular city choir that rented the church for use yeah you don't get sick in my meetings you get healed in my meetings I grew up in Pentecostal church, people don't get sick, they get healed. They violated every health code there was that have ham salad sandwiches waiting for after for fellowship in the gymnasium that was 120 degrees made out of mayonnaise. So I learned that you you, you can't die in church because they tried to kill people in church. They had a water fountain out back that hadn't been cleaned since the Lyndon Johnson administration. True or false? Oh yeah, you get in covenant with God, you'll you'll live a healthy life. There's preachers that live till they're 90 that basically lived on a diet of bologna sandwiches and Dr. Pepper. True or false? It's true. God's healing covenant. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Now say this, it works anywhere. Threw up a stage in Sturgis, South Dakota. Preach the gospel for people to get saved. One lady came up for prayer, finished praying for her. Four more bikers wanted prayer, prayed for them. Finished with them, there's about 90 that all wanted prayer. So I laid hands on all of them. Then they come back the next night and these people have never been to church, but God doesn't care about your church attendance. He cares about your faith. Now you better have church attendance, but church attendance isn't a substitute for faith. Can you say amen? You can go to church for 35 years and never get anything. And somebody can get, somebody can get saved and in one hour get their faith turned on and get more than somebody in 35 years got. Play my favorite lady from Sturgis. Check it. Then I'm going to pray for you. I came, I came last night. night and
1: I felt so good. And then today I haven't eaten. Like I can't eat. Four years of this pain and throwing up. <laughs> throwing up and... and I'm skinny, you know, Uh, but I ate two meals today. I've had some juice. I've had a whole bunch of stuff. Everybody's like, are you okay? Why are you eating? This is for real. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like I came to Sturgis to hang out buy bike parts. Then I found Jesus and it's a whole different thing here. Right? (laughs) God is way bigger than anything. And I know for a fact today in my heart we got lots of medical doctors but there's only one big physician only one, only one and he's the only one that can do it and he, I don't got it anymore like I don't know where it went, I've eaten today I I ate part of my boyfriend's burger I don't, there's no other explanation there's really just not yes, I just believed it and it happened, like you I've never felt like this in my life Never. So now you're healed. I'm telling you, I'm healed. I almost can't wrap my own head around it at the, because it's so four years not eating. Yeah. I'm drinking insure for old people, right? I can't eat. I've had a whole meal. Praise God. God is God, good. I don't know what else to say. No, they just say God is good. God is amazingly good. He's my physician right now, Amen. right? He's Amen. mine. Amen. There's some doctors give me some, some guidance, but I, I'm gonna go to the big physician from now on. Cause that's that's where I at. That's where I gotta be here. Amen. Yeah, thank you. God bless you.
0: Nope. Faith in God. I doesn't care you got a little paw print tattoo on your upper booby, he'll heal you cares about faith. Can you say amen? amen? You know, Pastor Bob's down here in the front row. He just went and preached two services in San Antonio at 86. He was supposed to be gone four years ago. You know, every time i talk to him on the phone, you know what he'd say? I'm getting stronger all the time. I'm getting stronger all the time. I'm getting stronger all the time. Now he's back moving around, preached two Sunday services. He's getting stronger all the time. Because you believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth, and if you believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth, the Lord will count it as righteousness unto you, and the strong right arm of the Lord will be revealed. Say how loud I'm getting stronger all the time. Say I'm getting richer all the time. I'm getting happier all the time. (laughs) Whoa! Whoa! coming out. You're more than a conqueror. Somebody shout hallelujah. 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 (laughs) Look at this. Tuesday night, week three. We can't run out of faith-filled people. God's got an army in Texas that's marching through the land. Deliverance is their, in their, is their song and healing's in their hand. Everlasting joy and gladness is their part. And in this army, I've got a part. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bow your head and close your eyes. Very quickly, before I lay hands on everybody. If you're here and you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, otherwise you don't have a rod of power, you got a curse. Sin brings a curse. you got to be born again. The first exercising of your faith has to be to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and by faith, turn your back on sin. That's called repentance. If you've never done that or you once did it and you fell back into sin and that's why it's so imperative to get rid of sin. Sin robs your dominion sin makes it so every time you go to pray the devil goes oh what do you think you're asking for you know you're involved in this this and this but now the devil can't hang anything over your head because you're going to lay those sins at the altar and they're going to stay at the altar and you're going to go home clean as a baby in jesus name if you're here and you need to do that i want you to put your hand up high right now and wave it at me and we're going to pray together I see your hand, my friends. Boy, do I love you guys? But not even a tenth as much as God loves you. Alright, everybody lifted your hand. Come and join me at the front right now. We're gonna pray. In Jesus' name. Come right now. Hallelujah. Look, this is awesome. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. That's so great. Anybody? Yes. Anybody else? Got a little more room on this side if anybody wants to get saved tonight. You know, I don't know what vein we hit in the spirit that broke all these people from the same area into the church and then getting saved. But if if Pastor Ryan wouldn't, amen. people taking sabbaticals. This feels like an eight-month sabbatical. Just the last five minutes, I feel like. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go ahead. That song she's playing, you're in the spirit, my friend. Everybody just lift your hands and sing it. I have decided to follow Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Every hand lifted at the altar. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer say this prayer from your heart it's like the Bible's too easy for people they wish you had to beat your back with a whip or enroll in a 10-year class or something if thou wilt believe in thine heart that god raised jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth jesus is lord thou shalt be saved that's it wish it was harder but it's not jesus did all the heavy lifting all you gotta do is believe and speak Say it out loud, Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name. Amen. Every witch in Texas wants to put a curse on you they'd all go back and hit them and kill them you can't curse what God's blessed amen lift your hands I'm going to bless you because I like you I mean I I would anyway but I really want to bless you I bless you in the name of Jesus anytime somebody tries to tempt you to do what you know in your heart's wrong the boldness God gave me as a child by the Holy Ghost I I release into you by impartation and the laying on of hands Something will rise up in you and you'll say, No! Why not? Because I don't do that. I'm a king. I'm the child of a king. I'm headed to heaven. I live in this world but I don't live like this world. I'm on my own path with God. And as you do that, the Lord's going to help you. He's going to bless you. You're going to walk the path of righteousness. Everything the devil planned to put you on a certain path that would lead to prison, prison, or, or, or failure or every kind of problem court you change paths now now goodness and mercy is gonna follow you all the days of your life the same way yeah you listen to me as sure as I'm standing here the same way you used to try to not get into trouble and trouble would just find you now you're gonna be doing nothing and blessings just gonna seek you out and find you in Jesus name a total 180 degree turnaround in jesus name it's not it's not it's not me wishing you well it's not i hope so the bible says blessing will pursue you all the days of your life any sickness or disease that set up shop in your body the shop gets kicked out right now in jesus name you have health you have life you have strength you have peace in your mind now any also anybody at the front that has to go back to a home that's not peaceful that's full of strife and bitterness and arguing and fighting and uh is not conducive to live a christian life there's stuff going on in that house that the bible calls sin the power that god puts into you will not be overridden by the powers that are in that house it'll override the powers that are in that house it's going to start to drive out darkness hallelujah if you go home and somebody flares up at you starts yelling at you for no reason you should actually just start giggling and getting encouraged it's the devil knowing that he lost control of you just using whoever he can use to try to discourage you in Jesus name amen Hallelujah. you can put your hands down and look up at me I don't normally do this. Some of you've been coming for 2 weeks and you know I don't normally do this. God's going to use some of the men and women that are here in the ministry. From today, you're going to find yourself in church and not just going like to go to church and then go back to normal life. You're going to live different. God's going to give you a different uh, higher setup than the people that you're around normally. They're welcome to come along with you if they want, but you're going to go in a different direction and God's going to use you as part of this end time revival. You know that? There's gonna be great men and women of God that come out of this altar. You're not just gonna to go to heaven, you're gonna make the devil sorry he didn't kill you when he had the chance because you're gonna be a tormentor of him from now on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, before you go back to your seat, and I wanna tell the whole crowd this. that pastor that I mentioned, Enoch Adeboye, he took the Redeemed Christian Church of God in Nigeria. It had 37 churches in the whole denomination. And now they have over 19,000 churches in 190 nations. He's a mighty man of God. There was a, a witch doctor, like a real one, that got saved in Cameroon. And he met with Ataboya and said, I knew you in the spirit before I ever saw you preach. He said, every morning when you woke up, I would feel the forces of hell that I was aligned with shake. And I knew you had, you had gotten up and put your feet on the ground and we knew we were in trouble. They weren't even in the same country. Did you know you can get so anointed that the devil gets nervous when you wake up? Did you know you can get so anointed tonight that the devil will check underneath his bed for you before he goes to sleep? I knew you in the spirit. I knew when you'd wake up. We knew we were in trouble I'd hear the demon say, oh, shoot, he's up. That's how it's going to be for you. Amen? Amen. Lift your hands. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Be blessed in Jesus' name. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless everything that pertains to you in the name of Jesus. I lose the direction of the Holy Spirit that you'll hear God's voice saying, this is the way. Walk you there and you'll walk a different path. Things won't be the same for you. This year is not going to go the same as other years. No more cycles of rising and falling, from glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. Do me a favor, sir. Put one hand across your heart and lungs and put the other hand on your lower belly. The Lord's going to give you a brand new heart, brand new lungs, and brand new lower organs in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey. bless everyone here I bless you you'll never have to compromise to, to live somewhere somebody's not going to be able to tell you you know if you if you if you sleep with me I'll let you stay in my house you're not going to have to compromise to have your basic needs met God's got a better house for you than the devil does I promise you that God has better transportation for you than the devil has and God has more money under his pinky finger than the devil can earn in his whole eternity. That's a fact. He owns all the silver and all the gold, so stay with him. don't ever let anybody tempt you and lure you out. You're meant for hire. You're You're God's daughter. You're God's son. Stay close to the Bible. Stay plugged into church. Whatever would keep you out of church Sunday at 1030, it's of the devil. If it's your shift, you need a new shift. You know, even if you have a good job, let's say you make thirty dollars an hour. The three hours that you work to miss church, you're gonna to go to hell for ninety bucks a week. Get another job, and if they say they're gonna fire you, tell them the, the preacher that you got saved at the altar said he'll give you a lawyer. And if they fire you for it, they're gonna you're gonna sue them for religious discrimination until the company's named after you. And I bet they'll give you a new shift. Don't be like that preacher that texted me and be, be pretending. I know you're not pretending. What all the decisions that were going through your head when you came up here. I need to do this I need to stop doing this. I need to break association with them Now when you leave when you leave church eventually that onus or like zeal lifts But you have to stick with the decisions you make at the altar And God will bless you for it. he will give you the strength Amen God bless you and having a ton of medical professionals get saved at one a night at least makes Me happy, be blessed, Father. I pray even the younger ones that are here, as they get older, they'll have gainful employment. I pray you'd open doors for them. You can put your hands down, and look up, at me. just because there's so many younger people here. And I'm not, I'm not trying to waste your time, but let me, let me help you out. People are terrible at their jobs. Ever since, and people think I'm joking, but ever since they legalized marijuana, do you notice that that coincides perfectly with we had to shut down? I know it says we're open till eight, but we have to shut down at six because the guy didn't show up at four. It's all weed. So people are like unable to perform basic functions because of drugs, prescription drugs, and now legal drugs. If you, I'm not saying it's some legalist. I'm telling you something that's going to make you money. Get rid of weed, get rid of alcohol. Stay in your right, sober mind. And when everybody else isn't showing up for work, all you have to do to get promoted to the highest in the company now is just show up and pee clean pee if they do drug tests, that's it. And if you do that, other people will fail their drug test and not show up and you're just gonna keep rising higher and then get a good job. You know, even there's people that'll teach you if you show up to paint houses, they'll show you how. Then you're not making $11 an hour, $15 an hour. You're making like $35 an hour. You can start living. So set high, go high. God has a high thing for you. And he'll show each of you what it is, but start making money legally. You know, get the taxes in. Delay having children till after marriage. Work a job that pays money. That gets anybody out of poverty. White, black, red, yellow, green. Finish high school, work a job that pays money. Delay having children till after marriage. That's not a Christian thing. That Any sociologist will tell you that. Those are the three things that poverty has in common. Children before marriage not finish high school, work a job that doesn't pay money. So switch those things around and then you season the salt bay of the blessing of God on it. You're going straight to the top. Amen. If anybody tries to pressure you as a lady to have sex that you're not married to, I give you permission as a pastor to break their nose with an anointing. You're meant for more than that. Amen. I mean, don't do it right off the bat. No, and then, but then if they persist, you, you, I'll give you permission. And if this is being played in court, uh, that was sarcasm. But really, it's not. Amen? Amen? Love you. Make this church your church home. The pastor's just like me, except he can say everything that needs said in under two hours. You'll get home early. Give your new brothers and sisters a big hand clap. You can return to your seats. Come on, give them a great big hand clap, welcome them to the family of God. Give Jesus a great big hand clap. King of kings, Lord of lords. I do know that all black people don't know each other and all black people aren't related. But I feel like there's a lot of friends in this section that have been bringing each other talking to other people. We have two more nights at this church. I'd love to meet all your friends that I haven't met yet. We've got Wednesday night and Thursday night left here before we go to Ridgely. Please bring. Wouldn't it be great if this whole back section and that back section was packed with your friends? And they're all going to church together. You're going to do it. So tell them I said hello and I'll see them soon. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, be seated, everybody. I'm going to receive a quick offering. And then, because then I'm going to lay hands on you and then we, you know, then that's it. Ephesians 6. You don't have to give to get prayer, but there are people that came to give. And I'm going to give you the chance to do that. Ephesians 6, 8. You can pull it up in the King James. Knowing this, whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Jesus, The way Jesus taught it, they call it the golden rule. Do unto others as, as you would have others do unto you. But then when the Holy Spirit wrote this through Paul, he added a reward system to it that when you do for others what you would have them do for you, the Lord will repay you. There's a reward for it. Now notice, because this will alleviate a lot of frustration in life. It doesn't come from them. It comes from the Lord. So you don't, you know, like, like we've been playing it for three days that, cause it's a cool clip of Abraham receiving that car. I didn't give him that car. I said, now, you know, as you get older, you know, you're never going to hear me say pr- publicly or privately However life works out. You know, I gave that young man a car. He ended up leaving our ministry after two years. I don't even hear from anyone. He's free to do. I, I, God doesn't control people. I don't control people. I don't chase people down and leave our church. You're free to go to any other church. You're free to come to my church. So I'm not looking. I'm not giving. In fact, Jesus said, if you give to only those who can pay you back, you're no different than the heathen. But if you give to those who you know can't pay you back, your father in heaven will reward you. Can you say amen? Amen. So the offering is a time to make a move to do something good. And when you do that good thing, which is the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that others can hear the gospel and live and be healed. Like that, you know, that that event we did in Sturgis was, got to be close to $300,000. We rented a stage at the best venue right in the middle of the action where the bikers were. We got the best sound equipment. You know, actually, when we rented that, the guy that owns that venue wanted to meet with me and I met with him, super nice guy. And he goes, I was doing some calculations. He said that stage had to cost you at least a quarter million dollars in sound. I said, yeah, that's about right. He said, and then you gave a motorcycle away. I said, that's right. He said, well, you got to be in this at least 300 grand. I said, yeah, maybe a little over that. He said, uh, Then how do you make, I don't understand how you make money. He said, because I've been watching, you don't take offerings because it's a crusade. Obviously I'm not opposed to taking offerings, but I didn't there. I said, you have to understand, sir, that in business, all decisions are made by profit and loss financially. But in the ministry, I said, my profit is souls saved, souls snatched from the devil's grip. That's my profit. And then if I make a profit in that, the money is endless because my boss will oversupply me with money. So I don't have to worry about what makes money. Winning souls makes money. The Bible, where's that in the Bible? Glad you asked. John chapter four, that the laborers in the harvest field are paid good wages, not walking around in the harvest field, actually harvesting. The harvesters are paid good wages. So like that lady was one of a hundred and some. Bikers that got saved for the first time that had never heard the gospel and got healed and set on fire for God. And God said, if you'll bring those people that I paid for and set them at my feet, the harvest, the husbandman has long patience for the precious fruit of the earth. Jesus died for everybody. A minister goes, snatches what the devil has. It'd be like if your Amazon package that you paid $420 for got delivered to the wrong place and they were holding it. They will not take it. And then I go and snatch it because you paid for it, and I bring it to you. I've done you a service. Jesus paid for everybody. The devil's camping on these people's lives illegally. He doesn't have a right for it. That's why we can cast out devils. Hey, out. You don't belong in her. Jesus died for her. You don't have her. She's mine because I work for the king. And so when you get involved in that task, the harvesters are paid good wages. Anything you do with your money to reach the lost, There's a blessing not just in heaven. There's a blessing now in this life. How many of you can testify to that? That's right. You know, as much as I preach that, I must not even fully believe it. Because when I was doing my budgeting for those weeks, I budgeted those events to lose money. You know, and then make up for it other weeks. But they were our best offerings we ever had at the church. One week we had a $400,000 offering on a Sunday morning. Two different people under 40 years old both brought checks for 200000 because they like seeing people saved. It was like the Lord showing you, oh, no, no, you have it backwards. And that's where ministers miss it a lot of times. They think if you want money, go gather up 100 rich Christians, teach on financial principles and receive an offering, go have a prayer breakfast and invite the richest people in Dallas to come and hear about what you're doing. But it's the opposite. When you go after the people that nobody wants, that are unsaved and lost in sin and bound by fentanyl, and go take the gospel to him. God opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing from heaven. Can you say amen? I told you in week one I was eating at a steakhouse in Dallas. And a guy walked across and said, we believe in what you're doing. And his wife and I gave me a check for $100,000. That's outside of the offerings. So if I think of this now. If I never took an offering one night in week one, the offering would have been $100,000. Because it didn't come in an offering. People don't get it. There was a minister that called somebody here in Dallas because I live behind the curtain, you know, I I know what goes on behind the scenes. So-and-so's coming to do an event in Dallas. I need you to gather all your rich friends so he can present his vision to them. He want to do it. That's not how it works. People get it all backwards. If you go after people nobody wants, God will start sending you people out from everywhere. If you deliberately try to bless people who you know can't pay you back, your Father in heaven will reward you. Whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he's bond or free. I give a million dollars to Pastor Rodney. If you watch me give it to him, you heard what I said. I'm not doing this to help you. I'm doing it to help me. Because that million ain't turning into 20 million, no matter how tight tight I squeeze it. I don't need a million. What I'm doing, I need minimum hundreds of millions. So you have to do what Anna and Elsa exhorted us to do in Frozen let it go <laughs> that Disney song makes a great offering song let it go let it go
1: don't hold it back anymore
0: then when people say all oh, those preachers want is your money I don't care what the world may say let the storm roll die. The anti-prosperity people never bothered me anyway. Can you tell I have a 10-year-old donor? <laughs> Starting to bleed into my sermons. Six weeks after we gave that to Pastor Rodney, lady flew up on a Thursday afternoon, dropped the check off to a dollar for a million dollars and left. you make happen for others. God makes it happen for you. So I want you to give with that in mind. You're not kissing money goodbye. It's not, well, I'd like to use this for something. But I believe in the Bible and the because I like Jonathan. I like what he's doing. So all have less so that they can do. <laughs> try, try to have less. Try to have less by putting God's work first and see if you ever do. <laughs> Seek ye first the advancement of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you do, all the other things, that you'd be out trying to get, I'll just drop them in your lap. Can you say amen? <laughs> you should have seen the plane. You should have seen the plane I flew down here on. I, you know, we, we pulled on the tarmac and even a Dallas who's not easily impressed anymore. I saw the two like normal size planes we take. Somehow we got an upgrade or something. And the, we, we were on an enormous plane, like a Drake plane. Okay. I told dance we change levels. I was like sitting in a living room on the way down. It's the Lord. People say, don't you feel bad about that? No, I feel good about it. <laughs> say this out loud. What, we, what you make happen for others. God makes happen for you. I'm going to tell you one more thing, and then I'll receive the offering. And I'm not putting our business on the street, but I did it publicly the first time. When I was here in 2020, when we hadn't started the church yet, or it might have been 2021, the Lord spoke to me to put him on salary. Now, at that time, and I'm, I, think we did, I think we started at like 70000 a year. I made him pastor emeritus. That hurt. I didn't have that in the budget. But the Lord said, put him on salary, honor him. Okay. So I did. So, you know... The, We do that. And then magically a $5.7 million buildings given to us. Then 24.8 acres of land. You know, one of the blessings I was thinking of today in giving, that's like a hidden blessing of giving. So like, I didn't do this for this reason, but I give him that yearly salary, right? For nothing. His job's to just breathe. And then he tells me, I pray for you at least two times a day. What price tag can you put on having an 86-year-old man of God lift his hands at his house and say, Father, bless Jonathan wherever he is right now. Keep your hand of protection upon him. And then we played the video ad nauseum, but when we gave that Mercedes to uh, Pastor Abraham on staff, you know what he told me on the flight down? My mother, wanted, you know, his mother is a Ghanaian Pentecostal. Yeah. And when West Africans say they pray, they mean the kind of prayer that moves the paintings on the wall. Yeah. He said, my mother wants to, me to tell you, thank you for giving me that car and that she's pr- she'll pray for you every day for the rest of your life. So now I got him praying for me in Texas. I have a lady in West Africa praying. Any demons around Jonathan, I curse you. Like, like real prayers. Prayers that make the devil pee his pants a little bit. Then because of the time difference, she goes to bed. Pastor Bob starts praying. You start blessing all these people. And the Bible, the Bible says in the New Testament, then people all over the world will have a reason to give thanks to God for you. There's a lady, she's still alive. Her husband um, passed away. I won't say her name. I, I saw her in um, York, Pennsylvania. She doesn't live there. She was with her daughter, and I called her out. I knew her husband, who, who preached for 60 years, had just gone home to be with the Lord. And I went to pray for her. And I laid hands on her. She went on under the power. And while she was down, the Lord said, no, that's not it. Tell her you'll give her a thousand dollars. So I said, and I'm going to send you, th-. and this was years ago when I, <laughs> it was much more difficult to give someone a thousand dollars. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to send you a thousand dollars. She's 80 something. She went, oh, and the Lord said, no, keep going. I went, I'm going to send you a thousand dollars every month. And I want to say for a year, I, went, uh-uh. I said, I'm going to send you a thousand dollars every month till you go meet your husband in heaven. And she started to cry. So then, a year and a half later, I get a call from her. Jonathan, I was going to lose my apartment because I didn't have enough money to stay in it. And your checks came, and uh, I was able to keep my apartment. I want you to know every day, you know she's not lying. Every day, I take an hour and walk around my apartment with my hands lifted and say, Father, wherever Jonathan is, bless him. Bless his wife, bless his daughter. Open doors for him. I thought, okay, well, that makes sense. That's why all these doors are coming open. That's why Dave Star called me out of the blue and then once they have me on TV once a month. Gee, it doesn't hurt to have an old Pentecostal lady with tightly permed hair asking the Lord to please bless you wherever you're at. There's so many side benefits of giving. Amen. Praise God. I want to say publicly how thankful I am for Pastor Vicky Hankins, Pastor Ryan Hankins and his wife and this church and the volunteers because a lot of the stories as I'm standing here telling them all took place here. God has used these meetings in a profound way. Amen. I'm very, 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 very thankful for too many things to name in one night. I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for his word. I'm thankful that he called me to have the high honor to preach his word to my generation. The highest privilege God can give a man is to work for him. And I thank you, Lord. I don't take it for granted. I've given it my all, I'll give it more from here. I thank God for this church. I thank God for Sister Vicki Hankins. I thank God for her husband who's in glory, Pastor Mike Hankins, and the legacy of faith. Everything I taught, I guarantee your husband was in heaven shaking his fist going, to keep say it stronger, keep preaching. That's what he told me the first year I was here. Stay on that. Hit it harder. I think, man, I hit it pretty hard. Three families left. You want me to go harder? Oh, yeah. I'm thankful for his son. I watched Pastor Ryan flip a switch when his father passed. Like he went click. Next, next, it was like he just went to a phone booth, came out in a suit and tie, and became a senior pastor. Like this. And hit it hard. Still hitting it hard. Great man of God. There's God. This church is ordained to have double the attendance by December 31st. It'll grow through the summer, it'll grow through the fall, it'll grow through Christmas. Double attendance, double income. And we got, we got the confirmation because it was triple income with one offering. They didn't even take a Wednesday offering, and the, the offering in week one was triple, was the three weeks before combined plus. So that's a sign because I said double income, double attendance, and it's already filling up with local people. First week, we had a bunch of driving crowd. This is all local people, and it's roughly the same crowd. So that'll tell you something. Then it's going to keep going after I leave. That's a fact. If that doesn't take place, you can write me and tell me I'm a false prophet, and I'll write you back and tell you I'm not even a true prophet. I'm an evangelist. It says so right on my website, but it's going to happen just the same. How many of you believe that with me? You know, one of the things I've enjoyed in this meeting is some of the jokes I make that are over the line. Pastor Bob laughs in the front row and shakes his head no. And I know he's not doing it in disapproval of me. He's doing it in disapproval of himself for laughing at the joke. Can't believe it. (laughs) I love you. Great job on Sunday. Amen. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. If you're listening to my wife's, thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.